episode 228. I'm trying to do my best Mitch Levy impression. I didn't say, I didn't say you should do a Mitch oh, Levy impression. Okay, Why well, don't you just be yourself? Oh, um, For once in your life, be yourself. I'll, I'll give it a try, all right? Yes. Episode 228, Mitch Unfiltered. <laughs> a special Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, we don't take candy from strangers is the lesson uh, on this episode. God. By the way, you guys did 227, and neither yes, of you knew did. the TV show 227 that we've talked about before. Well, perfect opportunity. Somebody brought up the 227 TV show. I think it was Danny O'Neill oh. in a... And a patron show. Whoa. Yeah, but I don't remember 227, the TV yeah, show. Yeah, I know. I tried. Do you? Uh, I brought it up to you at one point. Okay, yes. so what? Remind me. 227. It's just, it just a sitcom. It was just... Remember, How long ago? Uh, Probably 83, 84, maybe 85. If only there was a way to find out. I don't have any recollection of a sitcom <laughs> called 227. It was probably like one season, but for some reason uh, I watched that, every episode. Really? I don't who know. Who was in it? Jack Kay, who I loved. I don't know who that is. Oh, Jack Kay. Made, she she made, made Little Hot Shot a man. Really? Oh, I was a big fan, yeah. You really don't remember that show? No. I, 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 don't I was a high it, school senior. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Was it on like prime time? It was NBC. 227? Yeah. No recollection of 227. Like most podcasts today, we're going to do an hour on the show 227, right? Is Except that the for the fact that this is episode 228, <laughs> which right. is available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe and rate us, please, on Apple. Bonus shows every week. The Mariner's Note Table is coming. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. $5 a month. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Click Become a Patron. If the $5 is a problem... And you'd like to have access to the bonus shows, just write me at Mitch Unfiltered. Actually, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. 227 is an American sitcom television series that originally aired on NBC. You've heard of the National Broadcasting Corporation? I have, yes. Um, from September of 1985 to May of 1990. Okay. It's a pretty big chunk. How'd you miss it? Marla Gibbs? How do I not have any <laughs> recollection of this show? This is something right down my, uh, my strike zone. Yeah, Regina King. She's a big star. No. You don't know who that is? 227. Jack Hay. Yeah, it was like a base. It was like set in like the city. You know, it was like, a, what do they call those walk-ups? Like in New York City, you know, like in Sesame yeah. Street, those walk-up houses. Yeah. yeah. It was set in like one of those kind of neighborhoods. And I, it probably wasn't any good. I just remember watching Is it possible episode. it wasn't on in Florida? It was only <laughs> yeah. on around the other I think parts so, of yes. the country? Yes, like uh, hockey and God, pro wrestling. God, how did I miss that? Yeah, it's weird. Marla Gibbs is a big well, name. Yeah, Marla Gibbs was on the Jeffersons, right? Correct, yes. Okay, yeah, I know Marla so, Gibbs, but I don't remember too. And you don't remember Jack Hay? No. Is that one word, Jack Hay? Yeah, it's J-A... How do you spell it here? It is J-A-C-K, and then no. E with a little mark, and then another no. E. E with a little mark? Yeah, whatever, that little... Yeah, an accent? Yeah, I don't know if it's going the right like way. Like above the E? Yes, above the E. Yeah. Okay. That's not a great picture, but that, that's the one from Wikipedia. I don't know. You've probably seen her. No, not. Yeah, yeah. She's familiar looking to me. Yeah. But I don't know. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. I was yelling at the Sorry. podcast. 227. This is Sorry. a perfect I don't know. I waited I my whole life for someone to bring up 227. <laughs> I don't know 227. <laughs> I'm in freaking Arizona when you guys oh were talking my about God. it. <laughs> How was Arizona? Cold. As a matter really? of fact, yeah, it was really chilly. Softball tournament, basketball tournament. Softball this time. Basketball the previous two years. How many games did they play? They played five games, Mitch Levy. How many games did they win? They won zero games, Mitch Levy. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, there was oh, 48 no. teams in this tourney. It was oh. no, and no the, joke. The, the 12U tourney got canceled, so they some the good ones jumped into the 14U, and 
I, we played five games and had one error committed against us of all five oh. games. Combined. This was like heavy duty. Yeah, I was. These were Division One future players. Some of them look like high school teams. I mean, they look really? so good. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. We're, we're down. You know, we're down three pitchers, and we're you know we're we had to invite a couple. I can't believe that you could just families just brought their kids to Arizona like pickup players. Oh, so we had two pickup players because yeah. we're banged up, and you know we were in over our heads, but it was a blast mm-hmm. nonetheless. Yes, you had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. I had fun. a good time. Yeah, I think so. Your father-in-law's down there, right? He Somebody's is. down there. Stayed there for yeah. four nights. Sister? Saw her for one night, okay. yes. All right. Everybody's okay? Everyone's good. Nephew, right. niece, everyone. Yep, good times. The other thing that you can do at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com is just send your thoughts, your criticisms. I got this one. Subject, you suck. Oh, I've had those. Okay, Mitch. Had to use that subject to get your attention. Oh, I happen to know for sure that you received nice complimentary notes from your listeners, but you only read the negative ones. I get that they are more entertaining, but you should mix in the good ones as well. Huh. Signed, Larry. But he didn't really give an opinion? That's it. I mean, the, the use- Because the last couple of shows, we've been reading those, are you a good guy? You're not a good oh, guy. Yeah. You know, that whole Leave thing. the room, Leave the whole the room. thing. Yeah, that you didn't answer honestly. That's right, yes. You didn't respond honestly. I have a hard time being honest and taking <laughs> shots at you, right? I mean, I'm scared to death when I walk in this house. I'm shaking in my boots at all times. Well, you should be shaking <laughs> with what Misty does. <laughs> no kidding, man. All right, so I've got a couple of complimentary ones. Oh, good. Why are you laughing, though? See, you guys... Is, is, is they they are. They're complimentary, but I don't even... How compelling is a complimentary note? I'll read them if that's what the guy wants. Larry wants me to read nice ones, too. Yeah, it's a little self-serving, but let's go. Let's not do it, then. I'm going to skip right over them. Well, people clearly want to hear them, so let's No, let's... I don't know. Larry wants to hear them. I didn't say people. <laughs> okay. Mitchie the Kid, I'm writing for two reasons. The first is to ask for access to your patron editions of your show. I have eight kids and don't have excess money for things like this, but I love listening to your podcast. Oh, very nice. Secondly, I've been a fan of your show since the 90s on KJR. I was devastated when your separation from KJR happened. I was also depressed when you almost moved to Florida back in the late 90s. I was overjoyed when you came back a week later. As you can see, you have taken me on an emotional roller coaster over the years. I am now 49 years old, but when I first started listening to you, I was 22, fresh out of the Navy. A couple of years later, I became a grocery vendor and would do the best I could to center my truck time around your show as best as possible. This is the same guy with all these thoughts? All these? No, that Larry was the first guy. No, right, no, but this one, since yes. they're depressed in the roller coaster, this is yes, the same guy? Yes. I just wanted to take a few moments to thank you for using your wonderful gift that God has given you to enrich our lives with your humor and the way you are able to interview people. I was so glad years ago when you started your podcast already and listening to your first episode as you talked through what was happening and refreshing to hear someone as popular as you acknowledge their mistakes and ask for forgiveness. Anyway, thanks for hearing my thoughts for a few minutes. I genuinely appreciate you and what you do for our community. Thanks so much, Mitch. Best regards, Rob George. What are you out there building parks for our community? <laughs> what the hell do you do for the community? I do, I yeah. <laughs> Christ. Here's a new drinking fountain courtesy of Mitch Levy at the softball facility. I mean, God, imagine someone being depressed because you leave. Wow. What a nice fella. I've got more. You want more? Oh, sure. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> no, you let's, don't. let's make it all positive. No, Come you on. Don't, no, you don't want any more. 
This one's an actually really nice one. Well, let's go gonna... one one more. No, it's really loud. It's really long. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, really yeah. long. I, right. I actually edited. It's from a twenty-four-year-old. I'd rather go back to two two seven talk for the yeah, next hour. Yeah, I think hour. we should go back to two two seven. I'm skipping oh, over. Wait, a twenty-four-year-old is kind of intriguing because no, it's not that intriguing. Well, let's see. You started there twenty-eight years ago. That's so right. He, he was negative four when he you was started negative in Seattle, four. and he's going to say he remembers my first show. <laughs> That's right. That's how you know he's full of shit. <laughs> we'll suss that out. Uh, but how would a twenty-four-year-old, other than I guess his dad or mom, find you? Do you want to yeah, know? Yeah, let's let's go. Come on. You don't want to know. Come on. Why not? All right. Here, I'm going to. I tell you what. I'm going to throw you the bell. <laughs> when you're sick and tired of this, yeah. ring the bell. I stop. Okay. Okay. Here you go. There's the bell. All right. Try it out. Okay. okay nice. When you're ready to call it off, okay. just stop. Okay. Dear Mitch, I'm a. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Oh God. Let's skip it. Two two seven. Follow the lives of people in a middle class apartment <laughs> building. Two two seven. Lexington Place in Northeast Washington D.C., where you may have lived at one point. I know Northwest Washington. You do. DC. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. No. And I want to hear. I am kind of intrigued it's how a young person would find you. I'm 24-year-old male, and my father is a couple of years older than you. He tuned in when you arrived at KJR in 95 and continued listening during his day shift from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. for 25 years. He feels like you kind of grew up together. You and him kind of grew up and matured together. Yeah. I took an interest in you when I heard about Mitch Unfiltered. So here's a guy. He's saying that he didn't know about me on the radio. Okay. All Makes right? sense, yeah. I, I took an interest of Mitch Unfiltered from my dad around the time that you started. I subscribed as a patron to listen to your paywall shows in 2021, and I haven't once looked back since doing so. Hmm. Your ability to appeal to a young listener like me, even after all these years, is a skill I'll never learn to comprehend, he writes. First time you heard that. Guests like Rome Adunze and the upcoming interview with Brandon Thomas. See, he... He already knows. I haven't even said who the upcoming yeah. guests are, and he already knows because I mentioned it on one of the patron shows. Gotcha. Are a great example and are refreshing segments as you don't get to hear from younger guests on your podcast very often. <laughs> yeah, well. Most impressively, you do not go on forever telling what your opinion is. Yes, I do. Or what listeners should think. Yes, I do. You don't preach to us or talk down to us. You don't make sports out to be a life and death because they aren't. You make it about the entertainment. That's what my dad loves about being entertained by your show. And it has become what I most admire in my short time listening as well. These are more so his words, not mine. However, the comment is genuine the same. You want to ring the bell? It's, there's more. Oh, there is. Yeah. <laughs> Enough. I'm like the uncle Trayton in Breaking and Bad. Bothell. Say hello to Trayton and Bothell. Here you go. I, can you catch? I don't know. I don't know yeah, your athletic I can, ability. I can catch. Okay, good. I can catch. That's it. All right. Well, so do these come in all the time and you just don't read them? Or is this a special week where they came flooding in for some reason? I get a, a potpourri, okay. I would say. Yeah. I would get a smorgasbord of yeah. different uh, emails. I typically get some nice ones each week. I should okay. admit to that. I don't typically read them yeah. because you just found out why. Right. Not as funny, I guess. Either. So much better when they're bad yeah. and they're negative and nasty. Oh, yeah. So much better. Yeah. yeah. Don't you? Subject hotshot. Just find one of those real quick, and we'll <laughs> we'll even the podcast out today after some nice ones. <laughs> guests. I think the guests on this show are going to stand out. Okay. Guest number one is a is a guy named Brandon Thomas. You just heard his name from the email. Mm -hmm. 18-year-old, high school graduating senior, 6'2", 240 from Eastern Washington. 
was a linebacker, okay. was the player of the year, the defensive player of the year in his league, I think near Spokane. Spokane Valley or Greater Spokane Valley League or whatever. That's right. GSL maybe. That's yeah. exactly right. He was the defensive player of the year. Okay. Oh, He's wow. going to Eastern Washington on a preferred walk-on basis. Okay. Why are we having him on? Yeah. Lost his leg to cancer after his sophomore season. Did all this with a prosthetic and is trying to become the first ever in Division I college football history to be a regular starting player someday with a prosthetic leg. Wow. That's unbelievable. And if that's not impressive enough, wait till you hear him. Okay. Pretty good perspective as a young man. I don't want to say too much. Okay. Just wait till you hear him. You said he was the def- defensive player of the he year the in the def- GSL? He was the defensive player of the year, Shit. I think, the GSL. That's... With like 119 tackles in nine games. He missed one game. His father played at Louisville hmm. back in the day. He played his sophomore season healthy, then was diagnosed with cancer, lost his leg between his sophomore and junior year, came back and played every game his junior year with the prosthetic, wasn't as good, and then his senior year, he just blossomed into the wow. player that he is. That's a good conference. It's got Gonzaga it Prep. Uh, Ferris. I may be wrong on the conference. Okay. Don't well, hold me to the conference. Nonetheless, he was a conference defensive player of the year he at was some elite, conference, which yes. ain't nothing. Yeah, That's right. I wasn't. Exactly. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't player of the year at anything. That's, that's pretty cool, but man. But wait till you hear him. I think he will become, for those of you that have listened to a few unfiltered, he will become your favorite guest that you've ever heard on this show. Wow. That's That's something. pretty high praise. Yeah. But the kid is just ridiculous. We'll put him on the Excel sheet of things to watch during football season. Can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. Ridiculous. Joel Damon, you know who he is? Maybe. Golfer? No. Played for the Huskies? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, now I know. Yeah. Central figure on Full Swing, the new Netflix series on the PGA Tour, episode four. Yeah. How, how have you enjoyed that so far? Is it not for you? In the middle? Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't love it, but it's watchable. Did you bang them all out or did you try one out? I've watched one, two, three, and four. Okay. I really liked four because of Joel Damon. It features him. Okay. And I know him a little bit and I love his story. All right. I think he's great and entertaining. The first three were like, am I going to watch five, six, seven, and eight? If I get a moment, maybe. Uh, that, that means no. You're never going back. <laughs> Everyone seems to love it. Okay. I don't want to poo-poo it. Yeah. I think it's okay. I I, I don't find it to be, like, exceptional. I don't feel like I'm seeing things that I never knew before. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is it because you maybe know too much about the PGA Tour? Well, I don't know that I know too much. Or too many stories. You you can't tell a story that you haven't heard. I had John Hawkins on Unfiltered a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him about it because he saw it first. He saw it weeks and weeks and weeks ago, like, previewing it, critiquing it. Okay. And he said, for people that really follow the game, PGA, the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. you may find it a little bit cumbersome. Okay. For people who just kind of watch the PGA Tour, maybe not familiar with it, they'll find it, they might find it more interesting. Okay. So you have to, they, they, I guess they kind of have to cater to the the non P one, so to speak, to use yeah. a dumb radio term. They yeah. got to cater to try to cater to everyone to make it. Right. Accessible. Right. Instead of just to the golf right. nerds, because you're going to get like eight people to watch it. Okay. And I'm not saying I didn't like it. I liked it. Okay. I loved episode four. I liked 
the others. Man, I thought you'd be loving that. When I sent that to you, I was like, oh, he's going to, you're going to bang I, through this. And I was waiting for it to come out and was really excited about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's right. okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. It's okay. Not blowing you away. Not blowing me away. No. Okay. No. And then Eric Walden from the Salt Lake Tribune on the strange and somewhat disturbing Carl Malone story. Have you been following Carl Malone? It's funny. A friend of mine said, wait, has, has anyone heard this? And I was like, yeah, I've known about it for a long time. Oh, you have? Yeah. We just, but there's lots of those out there where for some reason they just get a pass. Like Jerry Seinfeld dated a 17-year-old for a long time. Shoshana Lonstein. That's exactly right. Everyone's yeah. like, ah, what are you going to do? He, he seems nice. I wish. It was a 17-year-old. That's completely illegal. Are we sure illegal. she was 17? We're pretty sure she or was, was she 17. 18? You can look it up for yourself. If I'm not mistaken, Vanessa Bryant might have been 17 too when she started dating Co. But anyway, some people just get like a pass. This story's been out there forever. The Bill Cosby shit was out there forever. Forever. Until this comedian Hannibal Burris put it in his act and kind of brought it back up. And they were like, why is this okay? Why, if these accusations are here, if these allegations are here, why don't we look into it a little bit? But yeah, the Carl Malone thing's been out there for a while. But the All-Star Game was last week in Salt Lake City, yep. and the NBA chose to bring him out in an official capacity and celebrate him yep. and put him in the dunk contest or put him as a judge in the dunk contest. They made some big decisions, and that's why we're talking about that's it. That's right, yep. And so this guy, Eric Walden of the Salt Lake Tribune, got to sit down with Carl Malone for a one-on-one -on -one interview. How do you think that went? I'm sure when he brought up the 13 year old. Someone tells me Carl didn't didn't give him much on that one. Probably walked out of the old interview. You'll hear or put that enormous elbow right in the bridge of his nose. You'll hear. <laughs> Which he did a, a few times. Yes, he did. <laughs> Brandon Thomas, Joel Damon and Eric Walden of the Salt Lake Tribune are guests on this show. So episode 228 begins after a word from our sponsors, our partners like John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions. Fireside is the title sponsor for virtually every fun contest and promotion that we run. Beat the boys during the NFL season. Here comes the Masters pool in a month's time. Start your search for a brand new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. The Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage, when the nationally acclaimed Cross Country wanted a new office in the Northwest, they not only plucked Jordan Flowers, but his entire team, and there's a reason. If you're buying a home, a second home, an investment place, Jordan's team is there for you with creative packages to save you money. 425-890-2957. Exciting news from Daniel's Broiler. One of the most popular nights of the year returns this Saturday night, March the 4th, the 12th annual Bourbon Bash, one of the largest collections of bourbon and rye whiskey on the West Coast. Local distillers and brand representatives, heavy apps will be served. It begins at 5 on Saturday night, and I believe a few spots are remaining. Reserve one at danielsbroiler.com. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza, while expansion continues in 23, got to tell you, that remodel and reopening of the Zeke's Pizza location in Redmond on Cleveland Street, the ownership change, a spectacular remodel. We were there a couple of weeks ago. If you're near Redmond, give it a try. Homegrown in the Northwest. Episode 228, Mitch Unfiltered, begins right now. 
unfiltered. I don't think that you are stunting the growth of the franchise. If you bring back a guy who's a veteran quarterback who you know can win games for you, but you're undecided on whether he can win a Super Bowl for you. I think if that's the description of Geno Smith, you don't stunt the organization growth by bringing a guy like that back, even if it's for a year or two. Unfiltered. I love to see them throw out DK, Tyler Lockett, all those tight ends, and then a stud rookie high-level draft choice in the first or second round and have give him another option to throw the ball. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 228 is now officially underway. He's back from Arizona. A fan of the old television show, 228. <laughs> the sequel. The sequel to 227. This time it's Hot personal. Hot Scott so I almost came back a single man, I have to tell you, from Arizona. Oh, uh, what'd you do? But there was some behavior uh, by me. I, something kind of snapped in me, and I'm not I'm not proud of it, and it became one of those. Annoying. At a game? Yeah, but it was At weird. an umpire? No. No, no. It was at another parent. Uh-oh. Which is weird, because it wasn't even a game my daughter was even playing in. Oh, really? So there was a, another team playing that I was watching. Our game had finished. We just lost three in a row. I'm probably just being a prickly bastard. And, and I'm watching with some friends of ours who were on the all-star team and their kids are playing. So I know a, b- a bunch of them on that team. Yeah. And the team they were playing was from Corona, California, and it was a 12U team. And their parents were so effing obnoxious. Like, I don't see a lot of that in the Seattle area. People are, for the most part, pretty friendly, but... These guys were just like, I, I think the 14U walked a 12U player to make a force. And, and then later on in the game, the parent on the other team, see, we don't walk players. We play it straight up. We fight. Was just, and, then after, and then they walked off the 14U team and they're doing, you know, with, with their hands like bye-bye, the, the yelling. And really? So I started John back at this guy and he was way bigger than me. He was enormous. He probably would have killed me. I started yelling. Your back team at wasn't it, even involved. Which makes it sillier. I just got... Why, first of all, why were you even there? At the softball tournament? Had, hadn't you seen enough of softball games to be... Well, why are you at other games? Well, I think we had like go an hour. Go have a Subway sub. Yeah, we had like an hour to go kill. Go somewhere. Jersey Mike's. <laughs> McDonald's. Have you Burger been, King. Have you been to Bellbank Park or whatever that's called down there? No. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous, the parking. <clears throat> there's, there's no going in and out of that place. Once you go, you just... You, you got to okay. go. All right. It's ridiculous. So, so now, now you're in it. You're involved in a scuffle in a game that your oh, team's not even involved not in? Not even involved in, oh, like an asshole. Ridic- this is ridiculous. But I was sick of him. I was listening. To, I, I watched like last two innings, and he wouldn't stop. And then when he's doing this after they win, you know, with the fingers like bye-bye, super classy. Right. right. See ya. You lost to 12. You know, it's not even my team, but I, I just lost it. What did you say? I just was go- – oh, so earlier – Earlier, he when he yelled, we don't we don't walk players, we fight. Yeah. And then one of their kids struck out. And I think I yelled like, that wasn't a walk, was it? Oh, that that was no walk, huh? Your team's not even involved. You're L- not allowed to get involved in the chatter. I completely agree with you. <laughs> what are you doing? By the way, parents who I've known for a long time, friends were like walking away from me. Oh. They were like, like one guy was like, dude, what are you doing? Like these parents don't even get along after last year's All Star team all the way to the. 12 of the families love each other. And then there's one family that's kind of on the other side looking at them. But they, they were like walking away the way, from me. Now there's two families. Yeah, right. Possibly three. 
and then I said something else later about you know, keep it classy or you know, sorry really? you have to live in Corona or I made some shitty comment. <laughs> and then I just see my my school teacher wife, dude. She's on a mad smash back to the like the field where we're playing. She's just walking way ahead of me, fast paced, and I I've, I've been with her long enough. I know she's pissed, pissed off, dude. She 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 can't even comprehend that. Like it, there's no scenario where you have to yell at another person in life. Did he? <laughs> Did he snap back at you? I, he might have. I don't know. I, I don't even know if he heard me, but I was oh. saying it pretty. I mean, I'm a pretty loud dude like you. I mean, I was letting it fly. I think I, we just lost three in a row. I had a lot of pent up fury. And I was just like, F this guy. I'm not going to let him sit there and talk shit to my friends who clearly didn't even care. I'm the only one yelling back at him. But yeah, I almost can't. She was really, really pissed off. Not happy. I'm going to assume that your team and his team never ended up playing one another. Correct. That would have been, yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah. That, that probably would have been bad. Yeah. And in fact, I, my wife kept asking, like, who are we playing next? Are we playing that Corona team? Trying to sneak it oh, in to Jesus. see, like, if we were going to play them. I was actually having fun. I wasn't, like, seriously wanting to fight the guy. I was just I was just trying to give it back, you know? Yeah. Like in a Seahawks game, if you yell at a Niner fan, you don't want to go fight him and punch his wife in the face. You're just, you're just, it's just shit talking. But she was not having it. Can't relate to that at all. Just it's not having it. Thought I was just being an asshole the whole routine. Did so, she yeah. hear him? Yeah, I'm sure she did, but she, doesn't, she didn't care. She didn't care. And by the way, it made it worse that the, the fans of the team I was rooting for didn't really care. They they were just keeping it classy, going, good job, good job, Corona. You know, they were trying to. It's just, always the schmuck with the team that's not even playing. <laughs> I'm trying to light the fuse for a, for a parking lot fight. And I'm going to hit the bricks. <laughs> that ain't my team. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not single. Oh. Although she did tell me she doesn't like the song Baker Street, which I found out for the first time ever by by Jerry Rafferty. And I thought I was going to be single because oh, of Jesus. that. But still married after both of those incidents. Oh, dear. Yes. How do you feel about Russell Wilson? You feel any different about Russell Wilson reading the athletic article by our friend Mike Sando and others, Kalen Kaler and Jason Jenks, the athletic reports that Russell Wilson tried to get John Schneider and Pete Carroll fired <laughs> before they were they ended up trading him to the Denver Broncos. He tried to get Sean Payton in here mm -hmm. and pull the ultimate power play move by calling, I guess, Jody Allen yeah. and trying to get those two guys fired. Not, not dissimilar to the time you tried to get the program director and general manager fired at KJR, right? You Me? went right to the owner, right said, to the those owner. two got to go, bring Tom Lee back or I walk. <laughs> Right? Didn't you do that? And here I am. That's right. Look, look where that got you. <laughs> oh, I just want—is he turning into Antonio Brown on this podcast? First of all, do you believe it? Well, yes. We should say that his representative called it "quote completely fabricated story." Yep. And he tweeted himself, Russell Wilson. I've always loved John Schneider and Pete Carroll. All, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, always been appreciative of everything they did for me, and I never wanted them fired. So now we've got a he said, she said. Yeah. We've got the athletic and three writers, one of which I know for a long time, and Mike Sando, I don't know the other two. I can't imagine that they wouldn't source this right. with two, three, four. Now, the other part of this is what sources are giving him this information? I mean, how many people were actually right. involved in that conversation? Something so, tells me they don't have Jody Allen's cell number. No, I don't think Jody Allen is right. talking to The Athletic or talking to Mike Sando. I would agree, yeah. So who is it? Do we trust the story? Do we feel like it's true? Or do we trust Russell Wilson who says it's a made-up story? I, I, would, I would never ask for those guys to be fired, ever. Can what you? do you believe? And if you believe it to be true... 
What does that do for your impression of the player? Does it change his legacy here at all? I mean, five years from now, 10 years from now, when he comes back, is he going to come back and go up into the ring of honor? Are yeah. we going to forget that this whole thing ever took place? How does it how does it change you or doesn't it change you? We've asked like five questions during this yeah, time. Go ahead, so go I need ahead. to try to figure this out go here. Ahead, go ahead. Number I'm one. Listening. Yes. Is he turning into Antonio Brown on this? People can't stop freaking talking about Russell Wilson. Seahawk fans. He's not here anymore. He didn't get them fired. He's not going to get them fired. What, what's our fascination with Russell Wilson? He doesn't play for the Seahawks. It's weird to me. Is it kind of weird or no? No, it's not weird to me at all. Really? Yeah, he was the most successful quarterback okay. in team history. He helped bring a Super Bowl title, almost brought two. Fine. He power played his way out of town. Yeah. He's only a, a year removed from being here, and now we're finding out that he tried to get the most successful coach and most successful general manager in team history fired before he was on his way out. Yeah, I, I don't think it's us like, right. like we're being infatuated with Russell Wilson. I think these are pretty major storylines. Yes, I believe it. I believe he tried. You do. I absolutely do. Ooh. I mean, I, I, I think do. I think things, you know, you can love a coach like a dad. You can be appreciative of a general manager, but you can still want to get your way. They're not mutually exclusive, right? I think you could have both. I mean, did he come out and say, I would never, ever try to get them fired? Was that at the end? Something of, like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I believe you think it. he's lying. And like you said, I don't think these journalists are. I mean, if you're telling me this is a big bombshell story. It's a huge story. And it's a huge paper. They're not they're not just going to throw that out without multiple sources. I don't think. I mean, Mike Sando, is he that kind of guy? Could the sources be lying? Could the sources be making something up about Russell Wilson, giving it to the athletic and the athletic running with it? Is that possible? It's possible. But, I mean, there was smoke for years. Completely fabricated, says his representative. And he says, come on, I love those guys. <laughs> come on. I love those guys. They're my favorite In guys. In the same story, we, we hear more details about the office. Oh, the office we're is all, pretty fascinating. We're all intrigued about the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That he got from the Denver Broncos. He not only only got his own office but he got an office on the second floor now let me explain to you what that means the players don't go on to the second floor the players stay on the first floor mm -hmm. russell wilson's office was with the the team's executives on the second floor coaches are up there too executives i think okay i don't know if coaches are up there okay so much so that denver broncos players have said look when we get called up to the second floor, it's normally because we're about to get released. Oh, yeah. You try to there's avoid never, that floor. Then. There's never any good <laughs> yeah. when you get summoned to the second floor. Okay. And that's where they put Russell Wilson's office. He had this office on the second floor. Yeah. What were the Denver Broncos thinking? I mean, they obviously were enamored with him. They wanted him. They paid up a king's ransom for him. They yep. gave him his $50 million a year. They were going to do anything to get Russell Wilson in the building. But at some point, doesn't a guy like John Elway say, all right, given one player his own office and then putting it on the second floor with the team executives, that's going to create some problems in the locker room for us. It's going to remove him from his brethren, from his teammates. This is not a good thing. How did nobody in the Broncos organization say, okay, we may be going a little overboard now? Yeah. <laughs> they're already pot committed, though, at that point. They're in. They're in. They've signed him. They've signed him. So what does it matter if the well, guy's Well, they've in the traded for him at that point. They hadn't signed him to a long-term contract. But they're, they're going to? 
They did. They did? They did. Right. So what does it matter if he loses the locker room? They'll just get guys in here who believe it. I mean, he's not going anywhere. So I don't think it matters if the locker room's in or out on him because he has an office on the second. I'm not saying it's a good look. I'm just, I'm trying to answer your question as to why no one piped up. For, for what? He's here. He's our guy. We're going to pay him 50 million a year. If he wants an office, give him an office. So if we believe this story to be true, that he tried to get Sean Payton in here, by the way, who now is his head coach. Coincidentally enough. Yep. And he literally called Jody Allen or Burt Cold or both and said, we got to get rid of Pete Carroll and John Schneider and bring Sean Payton in. <laughs> Sorry, it's if so you... audacious to get your both of your like, bosses fired. If it's true, it's really ballsy. Sorry, go ahead. If it's true or <laughs> if you believe it, does it change the way we view him? Or has that ship already sailed? Or do we just forget it all when he retires and we bring him back and we celebrate the most accomplished quarterback in Seattle Seahawks history. How do we feel about him moving forward? I guess is my question. For me, that ship has sailed a bit. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, it's a violent game that it's, it's tough to get through. And, and these guys give their bodies for it. And, and I don't begrudge him for trying to do the best that he thinks he has to do. Right. It's called a business. Right. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I, so if he wants to try to, if he thinks that's better for Russell Wilson and the team to get those guys fired, I'm not saying you have to agree with him, but I don't begrudge him for trying to, to cut the best deal he possibly can. So no, it doesn't change how I look at him, but to come back five years after he retires or whatever you're saying to get, we somehow forgave Griffey. We've talked about this before on this show. You ever go in the locker room with the Mariners when he was here? He's the only guy that had a lazy boy in his locker, right? Okay, so, you know, it's not an office, but he was special. Yes. Fine, he's Griffey. If he wants a lazy boy instead of a dump stool, he can have it. He pushed his way out of town. Completely pushed his way out of town, which right. it feels like this is where a lot of the vitriol from Seahawks fans is coming from, that, you know, Russell wanted out, and he wanted kind out. of shit on the city on the way. I want to play for a winner, a city that wants to win, or whatever he said. So I, I think this town forgives and forgets. I don't think it'll be an issue at all when he comes back. How about when he decides to retire? You know how... When stars retire, they sign a one-day contract oh, yeah. with the team that made them famous <laughs> yeah. so that they could retire. Remember? How about that? Are we going that route? Are we accepting of that? No, we're not We're not doing that. I don't right? think he'll be on the field for the Seahawks ever again. No. I mean, no, it, no, 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 no. No, I, I know what you're saying. Even in a figurative The ceremonial yeah, no. one-day contract so he can retire as a Seahawk. No, I don't, I, I don't we're think We're out so. on that, right? He probably doesn't want that. I don't think he'll want to do that either. For some reason, I think that... Ring of honor, no problem. I think no problem. This, that, how about... forgets. How about retiring the number? Nobody wears number three ever again. Had he Are we re- doing that? Uh, no. Had he retired as Seahawk, yes, of course. No one. Yes, no, of course. Of course, they're going to retire no, number three. I don't think. Is there? Are there any numbers retired? Eighty. Yeah, I think eighty is. Well, unless you're Jerry Rice, of right. course. <laughs> <laughs> then we throw that shit out the window for the greatest receiver of all time. Oh, fine, go ahead. You can wear it, but no one else after that. Okay, I swear this time. Yeah. Oh God, it just it's been never. a weird, a weird year for Russell Wilson. I guess God. a short year so far. Yeah. By the way, he's moved out of the office. Oh, he has. Yes, he's one of the guys now. Sean Payton came in and said, no more office. Okay. Done. So when the season kicks off next year, the, the Seahawks have no skin in whether the Broncos play well game, right? I don't think yeah, they have any more to, picks. Yeah. Are you going to root for them? Are you going to root against no. them? Or will you, will you be indifferent? I'll probably be indifferent. Okay. So I certainly won't root for them. Okay. You won't root for them to kind no. of bounce back? There's and- not a shred of my being. <laughs> not a shred of my being that will want to root for them. Okay. 
I mean, you know. He, why? I, why? Well, I mean, like you said, he brought the Seahawks to two Super Bowls, their only Super Bowl win. He was great no. in the communities. No. And you're not going to root for it. I've washed my hands clean of Russell Wilson. Except for when the podcast starts, of course. And then we have to talk about him again. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, of course. We've in terms of rooting clean. for him? <laughs> yeah. Nah, why would I root for him? I don't know. I mean, I think some Seahawks fans still root for him. I was reading some comments after his yeah. tweet. Hey, we'll yeah. always love you. We yeah. still love you. And yeah. I think some will. I don't know. You know, it's, it's different when the Seahawks have skin in the game, right? You, you want that pick. But when there's nothing to play for, you're not going to be happy if he has a bounce back year over I, us. I'll tell you what. Let's do three interviews, and I think you'll like all three of them if you listen to all three of them. Okay. And then let's come back with the other stuff segment and kick it off with, do we want Bobby Wagner back? Oh. He's available. He is. Do we want him back as the starting middle linebacker next year? Let's kick off the other stuff segment with that, okay? All right. Hey, look who it is. Lindsey Schwartz, Daniels Broiler, my favorite place for special occasions. How's everything going over there at Daniel's, Lindsay? Hey, Mitch, it's going great. Month of February, Valentine's Day, of course. Super busy night for us. Great month for us. We're excited for February. You know, it's award season in the NFL, and I thought, let's give out some awards to the Daniel's Broiler menu. Are you ready to humor me on this? Let's do it. Okay. Geno Smith was recently named the Comeback Player of the Year in the National Football League. Is there a comeback item of the year at Daniel's Broiler? You know, I love it. I love it, Mitch. There actually is, believe it or not. No, there clearly is. Okay. And it's it's the oysters on the half shell. It's the raw oysters. It was uh, Daniel's staple for years. Very popular item. And during the pandemic, it was harder to get. You know, we were open for a while, closed for a while, open for a while. It it was just too difficult to manage. And uh, we missed it. And we finally brought them back this past year. Of course, it's been a huge hit, a huge Huge comeback. Comeback player of the year for sure. Raw oysters on the half shell. The comeback player of the year at Daniels. Now, we've got two great rookies on the Seahawks. Tariq Woolen, Ken Walker, and others. Is there a rookie of the year, a newer item on your menu that gets acclaimed? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with the Piedmontese filet imported from Italy. It's grass fed, a little bit different texture than what you're used to and and really delicious. One of my favorites got to be the rookie of the year. And then there's the biggest of the big, the most prestigious award, the MVP, the most valuable player, or in your case, the MVI, the most valuable item on the Daniels broiler menu. And it goes to which one? I mean, we got to go with the old standby. We got to go with the number one selling thing on the menu. We're a steakhouse. We're known for steaks. And the best seller is the filet mignon. It comes in two sizes, the 8-ounce, the 12-ounce. Can't beat it. It, it, It's the goat. It's the Tom Brady of Daniel's (laughs) Broiler. And uh, I just don't know how anything else could be the MVP. The ribeye doesn't compete, huh? I mean, they're all good. I got nothing bad to say about any of them. But you asked me for the MVP. Like I said, I got to go with the goat. The filet mignon is the MVP. The rookie of the year is the Piedmontese. And raw oysters on the half shell. The comeback item of the year at Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Central Valley's Brandon Thomas went out for the track team. It was his first time going out for track, and he did it because the sophomore all-GSL linebacker wanted to get faster for football. 
Turns out, it was a decision that helped save his life. We love stories that inspire. We love stories that inspire here on Mitch Unfiltered, don't we? They also remind us to keep our own issues and frustrations in their proper perspective. Our next guest is the Greater Spokane League Defensive MVP. He's a graduating linebacker from Central Valley High School who has decided to play football next year at Eastern Washington University, but that's just part. That's just a small part of the story. Brandon Thomas joins us on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Brandon? Thanks for being on. I'm doing really well. I'm glad to be here. Congratulations on the Eagles. You're a mighty Eagle. Eastern Washington University, right? Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Go Eags. What color is the turf there these days? Red. Inferno. <laughs> Inferno. <laughs> All right, so let me see if I got this straight. I got a little bell here. 6'2", 240 pounds, yes or no? Yes. Three-time All-League defender, yes or no? Yes. Shot putter in track and can run a little bit too, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> a good student with like a 3.7 or 3.8 GPA, yes or no? Yes, yes. God, what is it that you can't do, Brandon? <laughs> I like to think nothing, but <laughs> uh, so if you're willing, go back to early 2020 and tell our audience about the pain in the lower right leg that you had as a high school. What sophomore getting soft? Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. After sophomore. your sophomore season, your sophomore football season. Tell everybody the story, if you would. Obviously, after after football, I, I do track. So I was doing a track workout at the time. And we were box jumping. And then after the workout, my, I think I, it seemed like I tweaked my ankle or sprained it or something like that. You know, it didn't, it felt like every other athletic injury, nothing, nothing too bad. So I just went home, told my parents, ice elevated. But the weirdest thing was I try, went back to track again, uh, tried another workout. I was like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. So at that point, I was kind of, I was really concerned. And as I continued to ice and elevated, it just kept getting worse. Mm -hmm. So and that's, that's usually, that's usually the worst side you can, you can see. So from there, we went to the hospital and got a x-ray because we thought it was like fractured or, or broken, something like that. Um, but then we were called in to do an MRI. We weren't told why or anything, but we were called in to do an MRI so fast, like probably the next day. Um, so we thought we were kind of special. Maybe they knew me. Maybe they knew my dad. That ended up not being the case. But so the MRI was done. And then the next day after that, we were called in to see the doctor it was my mom and my sister-in-law. My dad didn't even come because he thought it was just something regular. He's like, he'll just tell me afterwards. Um, my sister-in-law, I didn't know this at the time, but she ended up looking up the doctor that we were seeing and it was an oncologist. Mm. Um, and he said, you're having a tough day, aren't you? And I had no clue what he was, what he was saying. We were like, no, our, our day has actually been pretty good. We're just 
wondering what's happened. And then he proceeds to tell us you have cancer in your ankle. You don't think about cancer before you like that wasn't even in my mind. I really didn't even know what cancer was, but I learned real quick Mm. to say my mom, as most moms probably would almost passed out. I went speechless. I just didn't know what to do. And then obviously there's a lot of crying, but at that point, I mean, we, it's a dark, it's a dark time when you, when you get that kind of news, Mm. uh, he, he starts explaining that it was osteosarcoma and my right lower ankle. So that's a bone cancer. And honestly, it's, it's usually a lot of the time it is in African-American males. Oh, there's a, there's a higher percentage of getting it in a teenage year. As an African-American. Did he tell you right there, Brandon, ways to treat it, what your options were? Yes. Yeah, he did. Um, he said I did not need radiology, which which is nice, which was really nice uh, because that's even more brutal than just regular chemo. But I would have to do chemo for uh, about a year uh, off and on. It wasn't a continuous. It was continuous visits, but they were really strong, strong chemos. I got about three, three days to go back to school. I I wanted to go back to school right before I go into the hospital because I knew I was not going to be finishing the rest of my sophomore year. I was on a scooter at this time, a knee scooter. So I was scootering around and uh, a lot of people didn't know. And a lot, and a lot of time I didn't want to tell them. Really? Uh Uh-uh. I wanted, I just wanted to feel like a normal kid. The biggest news I've heard was they did a biopsy before I went back to school to obviously tell the exact cancer and whether it is has metastasized right. into my lungs. Right. So spread into my lungs. And that's just a lower, lower survival rate. Luckily, it was just localized in my right ankle. I mean, as you could imagine, that I was I was balling at that point. I had to have at least 50 kids swarm around me. Uh, giving me hugs because I, I was balling. That, that kind of leads to like the community support. It's, it's crazy how nice and how, how warm I felt in that moment. As I continued through the first half, I didn't think I was going to lose my hair. I, I thought I thought everything was going to be fine because uh, and that was not the case. I did end up losing my hair. I did end up crying about it. In the hindsight, wasn't that big a deal. No. But in the moment, it was big for me. And then that's when the big question hit about halfway through. And that was, I might have to get an amputation because at at that point they didn't think it would be more like a witch foot. If I were to keep it after the surgery, after they take out all the, all the cancer, um, that was a decision my parents let me make, um, as a 15 year old about to be 16, it was it was really tough because I still wanted to be and feel like a normal kid, but I knew that it would it would change the way people looked at me, and I knew it changed the way uh, people would talk about me. So I ended up wanting to get amputation. Mostly, a big part of that was to continue to play football uh, because he said if you probably won't be able to run again if you keep the leg. So I ended up getting. My leg amputated. So the surgeon said, Brandon, we do the amputation here and all goes well. I can get you back on the football field. Yeah. Wow. That's, honestly. Yeah. No. He, was, he, was saying, he said he was saying most likely 
You that's the he's saying that's the highest choice that that's the best choice to get you back on the field. And Brandon wanted to play football. Yeah. Brandon wanted to be a healthy, wanted mm-hmm. to survive this, yep. and whatever it took to get back on the playing field. Back on the field. That's exactly right. Wow. And then on May 29th, you had your leg amputated, your lower part of your right leg. I want to hear about May 28th, the march. I got to hear about the march on May 28th. Man, the fact that they even set that up. Tell everybody. Is, nobody knows what we're talking about. What's the. Oh, march? yeah. My God. <laughs> um, so my best friend was the quarterback on the football team, and he did a GoFundMe for me. He did uh, bracelets for me. Wow. So he set up a parade with almost all the football players, football players now and past football players, like when I was in elementary school. And we got cops in there. Brandon, 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 right? And everyone started uh, marching down my street. Day before your surgery. Yeah, the day before. Man, that was, it was so amazing that was one of the first times i've ever seen my dad cry oh. and it makes sense because your dad's a tough son of a gun he's a tough he's a tough dude he, he's he, played, a tough dude. he, he played at louisville right yes yeah he did <laughs> he's a tough dude um but man that was it was so special to know that so many people not only uh supported me but believed in me yes uh in my decision it made it so much easier to go through with it. All right. couple questions. Yes. We've heard from other amputees along the way that post-surgery pain is yeah. crazy. They call it phantom pain. But, yeah, but phantom I, limb pain. But, but I've heard the stories that Brandon Thomas smiled his way. And this, by the way, it shocked me when I read the stories, but now seeing you and talking to you, this is not a surprise whatsoever that you <laughs> smiled your way right through the pain and right through the rehab. You had mental rehab. You had physical rehab. This was a, this was a bastard, wasn't it? I mean, you're, you're right. Yeah. You get all the symptoms, like all the symptoms, phantom limb pain, uh, plenty of it. It feels like someone's breaking your toes. Uh, I did mirror therapy to help me out. And I don't know if anyone knows what mirror therapy is, but no. you put a mirror on your right, where your right leg was, and you can see your left one. And then you move your left one to trick your brain oh. that your right one's still there in the mirror. Wow. So, wow. so that's, and I'm not kidding you. It took like a month that I ended up not having any more phantom limb pain. What was it like learning to balance and walk on the first prosthetic leg, even though you're a great athlete. I mean, I would imagine that you had less trouble than let's say I would have had. I wasn't a great athlete. I could hardly shoot a shoot a basketball, but <laughs> but um still still a challenge to learn how to balance and walk again. Forget football for a second, just mm-hmm. to kind of walk and be be normal again. Yes, I mean you're right. It was very hard because especially because Throughout chemo, my amputation never healed uh, because chemo obviously stops healing. Right. So it took way longer than it should have. And that was even more time that I haven't walked walked on my leg. So I didn't know the proper way to do it when I got my prosthetic. Um, so I was on, I was trying to go from memory, really. And I should have gone to PT. Everyone that's listening should go to PT, please. 
Yeah. Do not do this by yourself. Um, but me and my brother, he's he's my biggest support, and he told me that we'll get you, we'll get you back. So we would go in the backyard, and like you said, first thing to work on is balance. You gotta you gotta be able to feel your leg and know that it's gonna be there for you. So from there, and then from there, it, I mean, it kind of you just fast track it. So then you, the summer before your junior season, you get yes. a, you get an athletic prosthetic. Yeah, really, really close to camp. And you're one saying, week before camp. And you're saying, I'm, I'm playing football my junior. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm playing football your junior year. I got to believe that there were some people, maybe not your parents, not that tough son of a B, your dad, but I got to believe there were some friends, some family, some people go, you're crazy, Brandon. You just lost your leg. Just wait. Hold on. And, and I think somebody told you, Okay, maybe he'll play a few games. We'll get him into a couple of games yep. of junior year. How many games did you play your junior year, Brandon? I played all of them. Started <laughs> in all of them. Yes! <laughs> and, and you said you were kind of winging it because you were just kind of getting back in. So your junior year was cr crazy junior year, but you were able to play. Were you able to play okay? Were you, I mean, not to your standards, probably not as well as maybe you played as a sophomore, sophomore. but what would you say that junior year was like? I, I would say, I would say, yeah, like you just said, I, I played okay. I still had 79 tackles as an outside linebacker and uh, I still, I still performed for my team. So I, I still was able to start uh, over all the other outside linebackers, but it wasn't like you said, as high as I wanted to play. Okay. So now Junior season ends, mm -hmm. you go to track, but really after Susan, junior season ends, you're like, okay, this is going to be a different ball game. I pity the, the running backs that I'm going to be facing next year. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a different Brandon Thomas next year, my senior year on this prosthetic, yeah. on this athletic prosthetic leg. And so here comes senior year. Yeah, so... Okay. I started with camps because now, now I wanted, I thought that I was good enough. I had the time that I needed to prepare. Um, so then I started with camps to get me, to get me right, get me with better competition um, and, and showcase myself a little bit. So I went, I went to like four camps. I felt like I did really well in all of those. And then from there, I knew I was going to be leagues better than I was as a sophomore. You didn't want people feeling bad for you. No, that must have been a challenge, though, because people are human. Look, if I was running the camp at Eastern Washington University, I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. I could know you. I could love you. I mean, I, I'm falling in love with you right now. You're you're just a great kid. But there'd be no way that the human side of me, when you walked out on that camp field, that I wouldn't be like, oh, man, you know, feeling bad. You didn't want any of that. None of that. How did you, mm. how'd you avoid that? People are people. Man, punch them in the mouth. That's, <laughs> that's where, that's, you, people like you just said, so the moment, the moment you, you put them on the ground, they're going to get mad just like everyone else. Well, hopefully and you then, weren't, hopefully you weren't putting the guys that ran the camps on the ground because I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's okay. very true. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad to hear about that. All right. I want to know. So the senior year happens. Let's fast forward. You're into your senior year. By the way, he'd become the defensive player of the year. And ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, it was not because he was on a prosthetic leg. He became the defensive player of the year in his mm -hmm. league, in his conference. 
I wanted you to think about this. Was there early in that season kind of a play or a game or a, something happened where you like, whoa, I still got I am going to be better than ever this year. Like something, because I've seen, I've seen interviews with you in newspapers and you've said, I had to learn to trust it. I just had to learn to not worry that I was going to get hurt or something was going to be, but yeah. something, there must've been a sack or a tackle for loss or something happened that senior year or a game that you were all world in that you were like, okay, Okay, it's on, and I'm playing college ball next year somewhere. Honestly, during season, I had one of those kind of moments during one camp. Okay. But during season, I say that second game. Second game. Yep, second game against Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. I had one goal line stop where I blasted through the center and just got right to the running back. And, man. I felt so good. I ended that game with 17 tackles. I was I was feeling real good after that one. Wow. Okay, Lewis and Clark not going to be mad that they're not facing Brandon Thomas next year. Not going to be mad to see him at Eastern Washington. Let him go to Eastern Washington University. Okay, so then you you finished out the senior year. You had 100 and what? 119 tackles in like 12 games, uh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um. And nine, nine, nine games, games, nine games, 119 and nine. Cause I, yeah, I missed one. Okay. My, I broke my hand. Um, oh yeah. I broke my hand, by the way. <laughs> you broke your hand, by the way. <laughs> I ran a club. And so now you're going to be a preferred walk on defensive end. As I understand it at yep. Eastern Washington university, I put some notes down, but just seeing you, I kind of know the answers to these questions without having to ask you because you're the type of kid you are, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you ever hang your head and say, geez, what could have been had I not had cancer, had I not lost my leg? I could have played at Louisville like my dad. I could have played at somewhere big. I could have played in the Pac-12 maybe. I mean, you're normal. I mean, you're a human being. Do you ever, you know, in a, in a quiet moment, think about that? Always, man. You, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie and be like, nope, never once thought about it. There's plenty of times I've I've been like, man, I I wish I, it's it's been even I wish not mm -hmm. what could have been, but I wish uh, that I could have could have had my leg. But at some point, man, that doesn't that doesn't carry you anywhere. That that literally keeps you in one place. That's a big thing. I, I want everyone to know that asking those questions and being that negative is just going to keep you in one place. They don't, and that's what that's a, that's what it wants you. That's what life wants you to keep you in one place, keep you stagnant. But honestly, it's do what you love. Keep moving. Uh, that's that's all I can. That's all I can say. So you have different prosthetic legs now. You have an athletic leg. You have a daily leg. I think you called one a lifting leg in an interview. Is that right? So you've got yeah, three. Three. <laughs> I've got three. Gosh. Courtesy of Oser and my parents. So Beautiful. thank you. <laughs> and most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, most importantly, all of your cancer checkups since first it was every three months. Now I believe it's every six months have come have have come back clean. What's it like for a young guy? God, the the, the nervousness, the anxiety of knowing one of those appointments is coming up and waiting, kind of holding your breath for good news. That must have been and must still be very difficult for you. And it is. That that year was it, was, it was the toughest of my life. And most people would say the same thing that I've gone through it. And every time, every time I get those scans, you, you 
you get flashbacks of of that year and it, it's tough it does like you said you get choked up you don't want to you get a lot of anxiety about it but thankfully um every scan comes back amazing and uh i get to breathe again i called a few people in your neck of the woods and they told me how incredible you've been through all this in terms of embracing the attention people calling for interviews newspapers guys like me wanting to hear your story you kind of think of it as a blessing don't you a chance to to inspire people to yes uh, to inspire and honestly share my story I'm going to try to do something that no one's no one's done before. No one's done and, uh, it. No one's played a, a full D1 game. No one has played a full D1 game. Not with a prosthetic. Was a pro- <laughs> with a prosthetic leg. You're going to try to be the first guy. You're going to have to wait a couple. You're going to have to redshirt and do all that stuff? Yeah. Absolutely. Man, yeah. And I, just like most kids, I'll go through the path. I'll go through the hard work. I'm going to be first to do it. Okay, so lay it on me now. This is a biggie. Big question now. You're a... A 6'2", 240-pound linebacker turned defensive end. Yep. You got to have a fave that plays on Sundays. You got to have who's your guy. Well, come on, Aaron come on. Donald, come on. Yo, I'm sorry. That boy is no. dominant. Wait, wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold Kay. on a second. You're talking to a Seattle guy. You have the nerve to get on a Seattle podcast where we just do nothing but talk about our beloved the Seahawks. <laughs> the Seahawks. <laughs> Aaron Donald's your favorite. Man, he's the way you play football. That's the, he's aggressive, man. He he knows what he's doing. He has great technique. Okay. I mean, and, and he gets to the quarterback. That's that's what you need. Okay. <laughs> if you say so, you've been through a lot more than I've ever been through. In your, <laughs> right? in your short time, in my long time, I you can add up whatever I've been through. So I guess you're allowed to love Aaron Donald. Yeah, yes. you're to love Aaron Donald. We'll give you we'll give you that one. Well, I got to tell you, I'm in awe. I'm really really in awe and I know that every one of our listeners of this podcast are going to have the exact same feeling. What an amazing young man you are. And as I said at the beginning, you remind all of us what real obstacles are. You know, I cut my finger paper cut and I got I get I get all mad and angry I mean the spirit and courage with which you've attacked this there are no words you're incredible you are the best and you've got to be the best to be allowed to pick Aaron Donald on this podcast you gotta be the best thank you well thank you unless you're the best unless I'm the best okay well gotta prove that I'm the best thank you for spreading your infectious personality with all of us we're all big fans of yours over here on the other side of the state now, and we'll be watching with bated breath. We want. Do you have any idea what number you're going to wear? Or is it too early to know what number you're going to wear? <sighs> too early, man. Too early. But I'll let you know <laughs> when, when it happens. All when right. I know. He's trying to become the first Division One player in history to play a full game with a prosthetic leg after beating cancer <laughs> at age. What are you? Eighteen now? Eighteen? Yep. So I was yeah, 15 and I, I had my amputation on almost really close to my 16th birthday. Wow. So thank you so much, Brandon. All the best to you. Thank you. Glad to be here, man. He's back. The president of Zeke's Pizza, Dapper Dan Black. How are we doing, Dan? Good. We're dapper this week, huh? <laughs> we are <All> right. dapper. <laughs> we are dapper this week. I just spoke to Lindsay at Daniel's Broiler. And since it's award season in the NFL, 
Yeah. I'm hoping that Zeke's can participate with the things that are happening in your world. Are you ready to go through three major awards? We'll see. I think so. <laughs> Geno Smith just won comeback player of the year in the NFL. Who's the comeback player? What is the comeback player of the year for Zeke's? I'm going to give you two. We've got a tie, actually. Okay. So our Redmond location just reopened after a great remodel. So it's a full Northwest pizza pub with a beer bar right now. So that's pretty fun. That's okay. definitely a good comeback because okay. it was closed for a little while. And then we just launched a new app, which has rolled out to about half of our stores, and it's working really well. So for people that are on the new app and are about to be on the new app, uh, ordering's never been easier. So the app in Redmond. What's the biggest difference in the app? The customer interface is super easy. It's super intuitive. So literally after you've taken about 10 seconds to sign up with your email and stuff, pizza's like two button pushes away for the rest of your life. So it's really easy. And then we got rewards for the first time as well. That's cool too. Everybody knows that the Seahawks had a bunch of very solid rookies. I, yeah. need, a, I need a rookie of the year. In the Zeke's Pizza world. I'm going to go with a beer on this one. As we've talked about, we do a lot of collaboration beers with our brewing partners. And we did one with Fremont Brewing this summer called Z-Side Frozen IPA. And we couldn't keep it in stock. It flew off the shelves. And it was a fun one. And so we're working on some more collabs this summer. We're probably going to do some with Rubens Brews, who's our main brewing partner. I think I've told the story, but we helped launch them back in the day. We met them at a brewing party and... Finney Ridge, and part of the reasons they became a commercial brewer was because Zeke's agreed to buy their product. So that's Zeke's and Rubens have a really close relationship. But Dan, there's got to be a location that also should garner some rookie of the year status, no? Yeah, I'm going to go Seward Park. Oh. It's cool because it's become a total destination for NFL football games in the bar. And so that has been super fun. And then I'll throw Spokane in there too. And you're not going to like this, but they've become a destination for GU basketball games. It's packed, <laughs> it's packed out with students every game. All right. The only way that you can make up for that, Dan, is to call Mitch Levy your MVP. If I'm not your MVP, then what is or who is the MVP this year for Zeke's? Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're MVP 1A. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with the Cherry Bomb. The Cherry Bomb is our most popular pizza, and it's, it's the perennial favorite. It's the anchor of the menu, and I can't order Cherry Bomb enough, and most people I know can't order Cherry Bomb enough. Okay, we got the award, Zeke's Pizza. You love Zeke's Pizza. What a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, and Zeke's Pizza, of course, is homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Tour for the first time. Episode 228. Listen, our next guest's life has changed since he was on the show a year ago at this time. He's a dad now of a bouncy boy, I believe, named Riggs. He's a top 10 U.S. Open finisher. He's a Netflix superstar. Episode 4 of the new series, Full Swing. But no matter the game, he'll always be just... Clarkston, Washington native and former UW knucklehead, Joel Damon. Right, Dad? That's that's very correct. That was a nice introduction. <laughs> I think you kind of covered all the bases there. Uh, how's Riggs? Four weeks or so? What is it now? Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, four, coming up on five weeks, I guess. But uh, yeah, he's he's great. He's kind of, mom is, uh, mom's crushing it. He's got him on a schedule already. So he's eating and sleeping pretty well and Fortunately, we've had plenty of help as well. 
Um, so I don't feel as bad when I hit the road and I uh, get some sleep when I'm at home. It's been great. All right. So just pooping and sleeping so far. And mom is doing okay? She's doing all right? Mom's doing great. Okay. Yeah. Good. she's. It's unbelievable what women go through. And then to, you always hear that. But then when you're you know, next to them and you're, it's your partner and they're doing all the stuff and it's really crazy. And, uh, we know that, uh, it's, it's a very, very cool thing for sure. More complicated changing a diaper, a poopy diaper or playing the 10th at Riviera. I saw your scorecard from those two rounds. (laughs) (laughs) So far, uh, Riggs's poops have been very, um, small and easy to clean up versus, uh, Shipping around that 10th green for me is uh, apparently a problem where it was last week. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the 10th hole at Riviera. That's a good one. Uh, one of your great accomplishments that you're unaware of is you got me on Netflix today so I could watch episode four of Full Swing. Now, you got to understand, you think you're bad with technology? I had to get a username and password from my wife. She didn't remember it. Honey, can you give me the you? How do I get Netflix on this TV? Since when do you watch Netflix? What are you watching on Netflix? I'm like, I got to watch the show because I'm interviewing this guy who's on Netflix. All right. It was a production. It was like 45 minutes of watching the episode and like an hour and a half of preparing to be able to get it on my TV. Yeah, that kind of sounds like me and technology for sure. Um, I've had some of those same sentiments uh, for my dad and, and some family members. Like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, well, I can't help you either. So uh, luckily my wife is slightly smarter than me and um, can figure all that out. So what was it like having all the cameras following you around? Somebody told me, or I read somewhere that you said no the first time you didn't, you didn't want to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I'm pretty open guy. And I think uh, I put a lot on social media as there is, you know, and, and, but that's what we want out there. That's like very controlled. That is a, um, I don't hit send unless I don't want to. So yeah, I originally said no, um, didn't really know a bunch of the background stuff. Just said, I don't think this is for us. Then you see the list of names that signed up for it. Then you think about, you know, what could come from potentially being on the show and, um, talking with producer Chad mom about it. Uh, the drive to survive was a huge hit in formula one. So, uh, I wouldn't say reluctantly, but when we made a decision to, to go ahead and do this, we, we were all in. So we gave them all access. Um, they were at her home multiple times. They flew up to see Gino and Lewis in Idaho. Yeah. They're there from highs and lows and through it all. And, uh, I think the show came out pretty good. Damn good. Um, damn for the most part. Damn yeah, good. Thank you. Damn, damn good. And Gino's a ham. He loved it. Yeah. He loved every bit of it. I wonder if your life's going to be any different. I wonder if it'll be different the next tour stop. When when do you play again next? Uh, next week at Bay Hill uh, at Arnold Palmer Invites. So actually had it was released on Wednesday, I guess, of L.A., of Genesis last week. And okay. uh, there was plenty of hooting and hollering out there uh, for Gino and I. More, more so Gino, really, um, <laughs> which is not a surprise at all. But. I would say social media has, has blown up. There's been some opportunities come my way that uh, probably typically wouldn't um, come my way. So hopefully we can kind of ride this wave. And um, at this point, it's just golf. I have to play good golf and that'll kind of take care of everything else. You want to tell us about the opportunities that have come your way? Because I've heard something that you don't even know. I heard that Greg Norman watched it and they're getting, <laughs> and they're getting ready to offer you a hundred million, a hundred million to, to flee the PGA tour and, and, and tee it up with the big boys over wherever they play. I heard you're great at a 54 hole shotgun start. 
You're amazing. I am. I am good at those. You're right, man. That's a number that would be tough. I have bashed the live pretty good. I've been pretty, uh, I've said no to him before. So, but that hundred million is, um, a lot. That'd be a tough one, but thankfully that is not true. And I will, uh, do not have to deal with that potential contract negotiations, uh, and what comes of that. So thankfully I'm, I'm free on that and I'm happy where I'm at. And like I said, hopefully we can play some good golf coming up. Yeah. I was teasing you before we start, so I'll do it on the on the show also. The whole self-deprecating, I'm no good. People love that. They're going to love this. If you haven't seen episode four and you can figure it out with your wife how to get Netflix on right. one of your TVs, watch episode four. I've only seen episode one and episode four. I don't know that I'll watch the rest of them because it's too complicated and I don't know, but I love deprecating. People are going to love Joel Damon because of the whole... I'm not very good. I'm happy to be the 70th ranked golfer in the world. I don't want to play shrink here on the show, but there seems to be a little, let me try to keep the bar low so I don't disappoint myself, my wife, Gino, and everybody else. Uh, let's just say that um, there's editing done in shows <laughs> and uh, there's a narrative out there and they found a great storyline and they ran with the storyline. I don't think I would be on the PJ tour if I didn't believe in myself. I don't think I've had the success I've had if I didn't believe how good I was. Do I believe that I'm the best player in the world? No, I am not delusional. I would call myself a realist. I'm not playing myself down as much as uh, maybe the show does, but could I believe myself more a hundred percent? Could I work harder? Probably, but I don't know. I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot right now and uh, we're enjoying where everything is. But yeah, the self-deprecating humor is something I've really leaned on heavily recently. That's for sure. You know what I got out of the show? I got out of the show that you throw good parties in the backyard. Yeah. And I asked yeah. my wife after watching, after getting the password and the username, I asked my wife if she happened to have accidentally thrown an invitation that we got uh, to a party in Scottsdale in the trash. And she said, no, honey, um, you haven't gotten an invitation to anything in a, in a very long time. So um, uh, that seemed like a pretty good party back there. You had Homa there and everything. Yeah, we have a pretty. So my wife loves to host. She is the real host. It's Taco Tuesday of Phoenix Open Week is when uh, oh. is what it is. So it started out as Lana making homemade tacos for everyone. Uh, you know, started with 15 people, grew to 20, 25. And all of a sudden it's like, well, this is getting too big for her to make homemade chips and do it all herself. So Last year, um, we blew it out. We had, we brought bartender in, we brought, um, kind of a, a, a taco truck basically Nice. set it up. We set up all the games, darts and cornhole and, um, throw some music on. And I think we ended up having about 70, 80 people there. So it was, it was pretty big. It was bigger than I ever managed it being. And, uh, this year we couldn't do it obviously with the birth of rigs, uh, coming two weeks prior, but, uh, we should be moving into a new house by next year. And yeah. uh, the backyard is for primo you. for another party. And we might even have room for you, Mitch. Yeah, media guys. He called me a media guy, folks, uh, <laughs> before we started. You and I talked about 16 at, at Phoenix last year, and you're done answering questions about that whole thing. What I'm interested in is, can you play 16 now at all? I mean, are you ever going to be able to play 16 I guess 16 is just not regular. I was going to say, are you ever able to play 16 normally, but 16 is not normal? Are they just going to torture you every time you play that hole now for the rest of the I life? feel like it. I mean, I made two bogeys on it this year. It was oh, the first time I think of, yeah, I, uh, I was two over on the hole this week. So it was the first time in 
four or five years, I'd made a bogey on that hole. But yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said that I wasn't extra nervous this year or there was some extra uh, grenades lobbed my way when I was walking out there. So I just, um, the tour called me the week before said, there's rumors you're going to do something crazy. I said, no, I'm not doing anything this year. I assure you. I was just trying to keep my head down, not look at anyone, just get out of there as fast as I could. And uh, Mr. Green once made a bogey and three putt another time. And that three putt was excruciating. Um, there was a lot of, Ooh. it wasn't Nate. I mean, obviously there's booing, but it wasn't as negative. It was just like they expected something to happen again. And uh. um, I mean, my parents told me, you know, there's consequences to your actions, but um, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still learning that one. Apparently if you take your shirt off on the PJ tour, uh, people expect you to continually do um, outrageous things. Uh, a couple of weeks earlier, you were at Pebble Beach. I don't really know who Ben Rector is. Maybe you can tell me who Ben Rector is, but you seem to have a lot of fun. My question to you is, what's the story with Aaron Rodgers, the sandbagger? Is that legit? Yeah. Everybody seems to be pissed at Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what handicap he played, and I'm not really certain how it all ended. I guess with weather, they they canceled it or shortened it, and they made him the champion. People are some people are pissed off at his handicap during that whole. Yeah, that's uh, the whole handicap system as a whole is always something that you can really uh, unite in uh, over beers after a round of golf, and just everyone just complains about each other's handicap. It just doesn't matter what your handicap is, but. Ben Rector is a singer songwriter. Uh, he's unbelievable. He's great. He's actually playing in Seattle, I believe, next month. Oh, but uh, won't be making it. He's a nice player as well. I think he's a he played to a four handicap. Uh, hits oh. a good ball. We had a good time. Um, the whole handicap thing with Aaron Rodgers. He on his gin, his official one is like three point five handicap. They gave him ten. So why? And he's also playing. I don't know exactly how that all works out. I didn't. I don't get into politics. This I just show him to <laughs> and play golf. But and they're playing like. I wouldn't say forward tees, but they're playing very generous tees. And Aaron Rodgers can hit it out there 300 plus. Yeah. So he's just mashing, or he's hitting an iron off tee and having a wedge in still, or he's just mashing it up there. So to cut your partner by like 28 shots or something is rather impressive. Impressive is one word, one adjective you could use to describe cutting your partner by 28 shots. There's a, there's other adjectives you could use. Yeah, I think, uh, and in his defense, he did not submit his own handicap uh is my understanding when i did give him brief quick jabs uh he was very um he let me know in the kindest way possible that uh he was just given the handicap he did not apply for that mm -hmm. so uh mm -hmm. i asked if i asked if he's retirement I, I tried to get some intel he said no way to the seahawks so uh that's unfortunate okay did you hang out with Tiger at all in L.A.? You guys go out to dinner a couple of nights? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tiger and I go way back. Uh, actually, we registered at the same time on Tuesday morning. So I, sh I shook his hand, said hi. He made fun of my long hair and mustache I have going right now. So, uh, And then we were opposite waves, so didn't ever see him again. And he played on the weekend, and I did not. So a uh, brief one, but hopefully I get to see him down the road. And uh, it'd be awesome to be paired with him again sometime. Most golf people that are listening to this... Um, will know that you and Homa are buddies. Uh, there's a lot of non-golf people that listen to this too, so they don't really know who Homa is. They may not even know who you are, at least from our, our last few visits. Uh, red hot, though. My goodness. There's not may, – maybe Rom, and I'm going to ask you about Rom here in a second, but – Maybe Rom's the only guy on the on the planet that's hotter than Homa. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Since uh, really the last nine months for Max has been unbelievable and really just a fall through. He won in uh, Napa to start the year off, and then he goes right to the Presidents Cup and goes four zero in the Presidents Cup, and you know he wins at Farmers and finishes you know a second with 
the hottest player in the world right now, Rom. So it's amazing to watch his transformation that started at the 2021 wing foot, 2020 wing foot US Open, whatever that delayed one was. I think it was 2020. That Monday, he missed the cut and he worked with a new coach the next day. And um, it was, it's been a transformation. He's worked harder. He's worked on his body. He's done everything that a number one player in the world is doing. And uh, it's impressive to watch. It's fun to be along for the ride. Uh, he throws good parties after he wins. So that's always great to be a part of. And, uh, he has a new, he has a new kid as well. This kid is, uh, two months older than ours. So, uh, we have a lot in common and, um, it's, it's been really fun to watch him. Somebody's got to imitate his walk. He's got it's the, hard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, and, and, I don't know if it's and, Neanderthal. And, and, how about, or what it is. and how about, how about the way when he picks the ball up, how he acknowledges the crowd. It's a it's little, the same it's thing. A, it's I a give little him weird. Crap all the time. It's, it's weird the way he does all that. It's almost like a downward wave instead yeah. of like an up acknowledgement to the crowd. It's like goes like down it's and bad. it's really weird. And it's kind of like, but uh, I give him crap. I go, if you're going to be the best player in the world, we got to work on like your, your manners to the galleries and your mannerisms. And I can't really fix his walk. I think that's built into him. Unfortunately at this point, but doesn't look as doesn't look very athletic. So I give him crap for that all the time. Golfy question for the golf nerds in our audience. What makes Rom so good? He's won five of the last nine. I think the other four that he didn't win, he finished in the top eight or seven in all four mm-hmm. of them. He's obviously got a competitive streak in him. You take it from here. What makes that guy so good? So John Rahm is the second best driver of the golf ball in the world. It's hard to say he's better than Rory. Um, Rory is a little bit longer, but Rahm, I think, still hits it a little straighter. So he's maybe one or two in the world in driving. His approach numbers are out of control. He gets the ball to the moon. And I mean, he also he hits it far. So, But he hits his irons to the moon. He started to learn how to control his wedges more. And he learned how to putt in this last year. Um, he's one of the hottest putters this year on tour. And... He can also chip okay, I guess. So when you put everything together, he's he's pretty good. But you mentioned that his like his killer instinct or like he's yeah. he kind of has this snarl about him. And he's like yeah. this, he's this big Spaniard and he's he's a little intimidating to be honest. He's not overly friendly, you know. I mean, I mean if you know him, he's fine, but he's not he doesn't come across and you do not want to see that guy on a Sunday. Like he has a presence about him and you can't argue with with how good it is and have a rolling on it. I don't think it's any anytime soon. I think this is this could be a long run of John Rom being the best in the world. So he's not a guy that you you buddy up to in the grill afterward that you have no. have a drink with or have a burger with. No, he's not. He's not socializing with a lot of people out there. He's doing fine, but it's to his group per se. You know, where I can have lunch with Rory and he'd be super nice to me or breakfast or whatever, and he he's great. And there's there's a lot of guys I feel I can approach, but. Um, I mean, John lives here in Scottsdale. Uh, we have some of the same friends, but um, I'm just like in when he's in golf mode, John is uh, feels like he's the number one player in the world. He feels a little more intimidating than the others yeah, out there. Yeah. Going back to Homa for our listeners, Homa played with Tiger at the British Open. Tiger's probably last run around St. Andrews and then was paired with Joel Damon the next time he went out. And his quote was, I have it here. They say you have to be humbled in this game, said Max Homa. So I've been humbled. I went from Tiger to Joel. Just a un, <laughs> just an unnecessary shot. Unnecessary shot. Max is pretty witty. He's tough to. He's good at the barbs. Especially his Twitter game is is pretty strong. And uh, we've had a nice little jokingly feud going on that's been rather public. And that was right in the middle of it. And yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny because some 
the golf media that follows it all the time understood, like he said it with a smile on his face and it was a good bar, but it was great. And I didn't have a, like they came to me right afterwards. I was, I didn't know what he said. I had no response. Yeah. He, he crushed me on that one, but yeah. there was a bunch of media that took it and ran. It's like, he was actually being serious because they uh. didn't see him in person do it or they just took, they didn't realize we had a joking feud. So we've had a couple things that have went kind of, obviously we're laughing about it, but some people take it. They don't realize that we're actually, you know, kind of pretty good friends about all this. So, um, he's, he's had some good ones. His Twitter account is unbelievable. And, uh, Max is not afraid to throw a bar batch into whether it's 5am in the training room or, uh, you know, after a couple of beers out with friends, but it's unfair. Isn't his father like in show business or something? Wasn't yeah. he, aren't you kind of an underdog to him in that regard too? He's got, he's got the lineage. His, he's got the, yeah. the, the blood, doesn't he? His dad did teach the actors or train the actors or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. And taught some pretty big stars at that. So, uh, yeah, I would say in that sense, I, I am behind, but, um, He's also as good as golf as he's playing. He just has a little more uh, a fuel for him right now. So I gotta, I gotta get the, I gotta get the golf ball going in the hole a little more often, and then I'll have some barbs coming back at him. All right. So as we finish, everybody who sees Netflix will know that you finished in the top ten of the U.S. Open at Brookline. We know that just from watching. Those of us that watched, what does that do for you? That gets you. It has to get you into the U.S. Open this year. I'm assuming it doesn't get you. We talked about this last year. It's my claim to fame. I've played Augusta more than you have. You're not in yeah. the you're not in the Masters again yet this year. What Correct. You- top four at a major gets you into the Masters. Uh, how many shots out of top four were you at the U.S. Open? I believe it was two shots. Uh, Could be three, but probably two. I know I bogeyed 15. I missed a short one on 18, and I mean I've thought about it a couple times. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will get there though. I will get not, I don't know if it's this year, but I will get there someday. Is there a path in this year? Is there a reasonable path in maybe top 50 in the world rankings? I don't know where you are right now. So I, I, I I'm like 90 ish. I think with uh, two big events with Bay Hill and the players being elevated events. Uh, if I can play well in those, you know, if I can clip off a top 10, top 20 there, that'll sneak me into the top 64 for the match play. That could be a big boost if you play decent there. You get a Masters. The easy way is just win. Um, you could win a non-opposite field event, and that's probably my easiest way. But um, or top fifteen in the world. So good, good consecutive golf against the top events, or um, just get really hot for one week. And you're still of the mindset as you were a year ago that you're not going to play there until you play there in the tournament. I got to make sure because I got to hold the advantage over you for as long as I possibly can. I've got four rounds in there. So I got four. That's a lot. I got your four love down right now. Are you still of that feeling? I am. Yeah, I think that um... this Netflix thing, I'm telling you, you talk about opportunities. When you get off the phone with me or get off the Zoom with me, there's going to be like 12 Augusta members that are on your cell phone inviting you to play. Right, right. Yeah, I'm. I probably could figure out a way to get onto Augusta if I wanted to, but I want kind of my first round to be there with hopefully my dad's still healthy, can get out there and Gino. Um, I don't know who our fourth, I think you have to play with a member. So yeah, I uh, will do that. But the practice round, I think just going and staying and playing it like as Gino's lifelong dream. 
And uh, if we could play that together and then uh, I don't know if my dad really cares where he plays. He just kind of wants to spend time on a golf course with me and uh, which is pretty great. So uh, if we get to do it at Augusta, I think he'd probably think it's pretty cool. He'd probably complain about the golf course being too hard, Uh, but that's what he does. But, uh, or it's too fancy. There's too many rules there. It's all starting to make sense now. See, it's all starting. The Joel Damon shtick is now starting to feel like, oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We had multiple trees in our yard, and, uh, you know, I, I happen to be one of them that fell on the ground, I would say yes. Uh, well, listen, I'm really happy for you, for everything that's happened. Um, people know your story if they don't watch the Netflix. Actually, if I if I put the kidding and the teasing aside, the emotion that comes out, I know that uh, maybe you're a little embarrassed about that. I hope you're not, because it really is touching. Um, I'm just happy. I'm happy for Riggs. Most importantly, whatever happens on the, on the golf course for the guy that's just happy to be the 70th ranked, yeah. even though, even though I just heard he's not even 70 now, he's got, he's got not even 70. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not embarrassed at all. I mean, I'm, I am who I am. And I thought they told a pretty good story of, of my path getting on tour. It's not as it's not an easy one, but that's, you know, this, this game takes you a lot of crazy places, but in a great spot now, um, I'm a happy father. I have an amazing wife and uh, yeah, go check out full swing on Netflix episode four, laugh, cry, uh, joke with us, learn more about our buddy Gino uh, and my wife as well. Who's an amazing on camera's presence. Her hair was beautiful that day. So uh, <laughs> hope you guys all enjoy this. I'm going to come up to a Mariners cracking game. I think I get to throw out a per- first pitch at a Mariners game, hopefully soon. And uh, if it's cracking, make the playoffs I'm gonna try to make it up there for that. Bring Gino and we'll play golf. You'll be my guest. Uh, where are you a member at? I'm a member at a place called Aldera Golf Club. That's my favorite golf course. Really? One of my favorite in the country and one of my probably favorite non-ocean course I've ever played. Really? How do they let you be a member out there? <laughs> Come on. Come on. I That's told you. Incredible. Bring Gino. When you do the Mariners game, bring Gino. And I don't even have to play with you. I'll get somebody else to play with you if it's a little too embarrassing to be seen with me. I'm no four handicap like... Uh, ben Spector or whatever, Ben Rector. <laughs> Classic. No, uh, that, that'd be a ton of fun. I will, uh, hopefully with some off time, I'm trying to double up on a Mariners Kraken deal, uh, see okay. if I can do both. And um, playing golf with you would just be a huge cherry on top. <laughs> yeah, sure it will. Ladies and gentlemen, he is, uh, he's the incomparable, the inimitable Joel Damon. Hey, good luck with uh, Bay Hill and the players. Maybe we could get you into the Masters. And remember, if you get into the Masters, you have to make the cut and play all four rounds just to tie me. <laughs> I am going to play plenty, plenty of practice rounds oh, pre-tournament. <laughs> so I, I'm going to I'm going to catch you whether I make the weekend or not. Yes, there. you are. Yes, you are. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for everything. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. Appreciate it. Hey, look who's back with us. It's Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call in their new offices. How's everything going over there, Katie? We're all doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me today. And I understand that we're going taxes on our pop quiz. That's right. So we are actually talking specifically today about the new proposed Washington state capital gains tax. Ah. In 2021, the state enacted a new tax on long-term capital gains that were effective starting 2022. Question number one for you is what percentage is that taxed? So if you have a capital gain, what percentage is it going to be taxed at from the state? Is it 3%, 5%, 
or 7%. It's either five or seven. I'll go 5%, Katie. It's actually 7%. You're taxed at the federal level, either at 0%, 15%, or 20%, depending right. on your, your tax rate. But then additionally, Washington State will take another 7%. I don't like that. I don't like that news. What's question number two? The good news is that not all capital gains are subject to the 7% tax. Specifically, real estate is excluded from this. Right. So whether it's a personal residence or an investment property, you don't have to worry about the 7% at this point from that. Additionally, it's only if you have a specific dollar amount of capital gains. So if you make below this dollar amount in capital gains for a given year, you don't have to pay the 7% tax, but if it's above this amount, you are subject to that tax. What is that amount? Is it $100,000, $250,000 or $500,000? And this is additional to the federal tax that you'll be mm -hmm. charged on capital gains. It's either 250 or 500. I'll go the big one, 500. Actually, two hundred and fifty thousand. So, let's say you sold stock and you made three hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty two. Fifty thousand dollars above the two fifty, that would be subject to the seven percent tax. Understood. Which makes me zero for two. I have one last shot. Give me a true or false question, would you, Katie? Please. <laughs> All right, I got you with number three here. All right. So right now the state Supreme Court started hearing arguments just at the end of January of 2023 to determine if this tax is constitutional. So true or false, if you had capital gains in excess of $250,000 in 2022, you will not have to pay the tax until they determine if it's constitutional. Is that true or false? Well, that makes sense. That makes sense that you shouldn't have to pay it until we find out the ruling from the court. So I'm gonna say true, please tell me it's true. Unfortunately for you and for anyone that has gains above that $250,000, it's false. The courts uh, came out in the last few months and said, if you did have these gains, you will be subject to pay by April. There's a special website that you have to go to log this information. It seems like quite the cumbersome process here, and we're still figuring out what that all means for everyone in the state. So if you have questions about it or are curious if this applies to you, please reach out to us at evergreengk.com to schedule a consultation and learn more. And of course, if it's ultimately ruled unconstitutional, Katie, you'll get that money back. That's right. Evergreengk.com. I don't want to mention that I was 0 for 3. Uh, I thought I was on a roll these last few quizzes. Don't forget Evergreen Golf Call, a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. You referenced how players see everything that's said about them these days, how you, know, you see all the negative stuff. Obviously, there's been some backlash to you in recent years. We're not discussing any backlash. I don't care. This is my life. It's my personal life, and I deal with that like I have to deal with it. I mean, well, so whatever. How would, how would you say your experience in Utah maybe differed from what he had? I just know my experience. Well, we continue episode 228, Mitch Unfiltered, with the bizarre Carl Malone story at the All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City a couple of weeks ago. Eric Walden covers the jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's also the co-host 
of the How About This Jazz podcast. Hi, Eric. Thanks for being on with us. My pleasure, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Just a strange story in a lot of different ways. Must have been strange for you sitting at the table with him and covering him all weekend. Yeah, it was really bizarre, right? When we found out that that Carl was officially coming and that we were going to get a chance to sit down with him, you know, obviously we start kind of trying to plan out what we want to ask him, where we want the conversation to go. And of course, you know, it being Carl Malone, like you can never fully prepare, I guess, for uh, for how that's going to actually unfold. But yeah, it, it became a little bit of a surreal experience, I would say. Let me ask you a question that might seem strange to you because you've lived it and you've been around it for so many years. It's 2023. Everyone knows everything about everyone else. And yet I feel like let's say three weeks ago, that a lot of us either didn't know or didn't remember the story of Carl Malone fathering a child with a child at 13 years old. I mean, I covered those great Jazz Sonics battles in the 90s here in Seattle. How in the world did this fly beneath the radar for so many of us, Eric? Well, to clarify, he fathered a child with a 13-year-old when he was 20 years old, right. for anyone who's not familiar with the story. Right. Prior to that, he fathered two children with a 17-year-old when he was also 17. So by the time he turned 20, he had three children. I mean, I, I guess the easiest answer is that it happened back in the early 1980s. No social media back then. I don't want to throw any beat writers under the bus because I don't know the exact story, but I don't know if they didn't know or, you know, certainly there was an era in sports coverage back in the day of when beat writers knew a lot of things about the people they covered and and for the sake of maintaining relationships opted not to report it. So I honestly don't know what the case is, but I mean... Yeah, you know, it, it happened in the early 80s. It didn't really gain any public traction until the late 90s. And even that is, you know, now 25 years ago. And so yeah, it's really only been recent years with kind of the explosion of social media and, and this new kind of social justice and awareness era that we're in that, you know, some of this stuff started popping back up into the forefront. Eric, you... You talked about the three children that he had by the age of 20. But what you didn't talk about, which is part of the story here, is that both mothers had to take him to court to try to get him to acknowledge and financially support these children, right? Yes. Yeah, so focusing on, on the child he had with a 13-year-old at 20 years old, we can just come right out and say, like, by the law, that is statutory rape. The family could have had him arrested could have pressed charges and would have had a great case. Uh, they opted not to because for two reasons. One, they described him as a neighborhood kid. So they knew him. They'd, they'd grown up around him. Two, from their perspective, having a 13-year-old daughter who now ha has given birth to a son, they didn't want the father In jail. who they knew was destined for the NBA to go to jail. They said if he goes and plays professional basketball, he can at least make a great living and provide for this baby. From that perspective, you can understand their rationale in, in not pursuing charges. It kind of came back to bite them, though, when, yeah, he, he did not acknowledge the child being his. And as you alluded to, they had to wind up taking him to court in order to get 
paternity established in order to get child support paid. He didn't do this on his own. In fact, they wound up reaching an out-of-court settlement in which he still wouldn't acknowledge the child was his, Mm. but agreed to pay money. Mm. So messy. Just a horrible situation made made all the worse by by his refusal to obviously is a horrible thing to have sex with an impregnated 13 year old and to then compound it by like not even taking responsibility for the child you fathered. Just it, it gets worse every way you look at it. And same course of action with the other two children, right? The one that played in the WNBA for many years. Yeah, the child he had with the 13-year-old wound up becoming an NFL player, Demetrius Bell. When he was 17 and fathered the twins, yes, one of those, Cheryl Ford, wound up becoming a WNBA player. And yeah, similar situation where he did not take responsibility, did not provide for them financially until they took him to court and and wound up reaching an out-of-court settlement that basically forced him to at least financially take responsibility. So Carl Malone is coming to the All-Star Weekend as a former player and a former jazz player. And you're trying to arrange an interview, your newspaper, everybody, with him. And then it comes to light that the NBA has chosen to celebrate him and kind of make him an official part of the weekend as a dunk contest judge. That changes... In your words, what that interview needed to be about when you sat down with him, tell our listeners about how that went. Yeah. So as as you mentioned, you know, when we just had a vague idea that he was maybe coming, he had committed to it, but he also was kind of wishy-washy and was maybe considering backing out. When it was just that, you know, we discussed, is this the appropriate time to bring this story back up. Obviously, it's something that we wanted to cover, but we didn't know if this was the proper venue for it, if it was the right time. As soon as the NBA announced him as a a dunk contest judge, a tacit endorsement by the league of of his standing in the NBA, you know, as as this former legend of the sport, that in our minds kind of changed the equation you know at that point we we kind of figured okay it's it's fair game to ask him about this if he's going to be there representing the league if they are going to officially invite him to judge the dunk contest if they are going to trot him out uh on on all-star saturday night alongside john stockton to be acknowledged if they're going to do the same thing during the game on sunday putting him on stage alongside kareem abdul jabbar and lebron james as these are the NBA's top three scorers of all time. At that point, in our eyes, it, it made it fair game to bring up anything and everything. So, And you did. And we did, yeah. Uh, the initial plan was to have our columnist, Gordon Monson, who's been with the Tribune since 1993, yep. who's talked to Carl on, on myriad occasions, used to have Carl on his own radio show back when he did that. They had history together. And so we, we initially thought, let's have, let's have Gordon talk to Carl Maybe that makes Carl a little more open to discussing these things. As Carl was making the rounds with other outlets, right before it became his turn to speak with us, the uh, PR liaison from the Retired Players Association approached me and asked me, what can we do to make Gordon Monson go away? Carl Malone is refusing to speak with you guys if Gordon was involved. What's Gordon didn't know what What's the problem? Gordon didn't know what happened. They hadn't spoken in several years. They'd had an up and down relationship over the years, but as far as Gordon knew, they were fine. But all of a sudden Carl saw Gordon there and 
was was threatening to walk. So that puts us in a weird situation because we don't want to let Karl Malone dictate the terms of how the interview takes place. But conversely, he's not really a hugely public figure these days. He doesn't make himself available for a ton of interviews anymore. And so, you know, we're like, we don't want to let this opportunity pass. Gordon, to his credit, like made it a very easy choice. He said, hey, I'll go take a walk. Eric, you take over the rest of the interview. You handle things. That's where I went from there. And um, I decided to ask Carl the questions and he was not appreciative. <laughs> we'll put Eric, it that way. Eric, uh, if you can remember your, your wording, what was your question? When you brought the topic up and uh, it was a stare down, right? Something like that? There was a stare down. So we decided not to ask it right off the bat because we didn't want him to just get up and, and walk out immediately. So we asked him a few kind of history of his between him and the organization, remembering the 93 All-Star game back in Salt Lake City. And this got him talking about where he was in life, being reflective of how his life had gone more time in the rear view mirror than in the windshield ahead. And he also, of his own accord, mentioned that he was cognizant of everything that people were writing about him and saying negative things about him. So once we had those two things established, I basically said, okay, well, that being the case, what's your reaction to that narrative surrounding you changing, given this era that we're in? And you could see his face changed. You didn't bring up specifics. You asked kind of a general I didn't, question. I, I didn't bring it up that blatantly. No, I, I didn't bring it up that specifically. He knew he knew the context of what I was talking about because I framed it as, you know, given this era that we're in, uh, in terms of, you know, more examination of, of women's equity and rights and sexual harassment, given that, and you claiming to be aware of the narrative around you changing, what's your reaction to that? And he got very defensive immediately and said, I'm not talking about my personal life. That's my personal life. And, and I'll deal with that as I've dealt with it before. And I'm not going to talk about that. that. Um, and so then I asked him a follow up. I said, why can't we have a conversation about at least your perception of the narrative? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's unfair? Do you think that it should be brought up all these years after it happened? And he very simply replied, whatever. That's when the stare down ensued. He, he was giving me a look. He was sitting there very quietly. If he could have shot lasers out of his eyes and vaporized me in that moment, I'm sure he would have. And I decided, look, I don't deal with Carl Malone on a daily basis. It's not going to hurt my non-existent relationship with him if I push this. And so I kind of resolved to not be the next one to speak. I wanted to let it hang there. I wanted to let it get a little uncomfortable. I wanted to have him be the one to fill the silence to see what he would say. And once he did, you know, he, he got again, he went back to being more general about reminiscing about his time at the organization, being upset that his relationship with the jazz is not now what it once was. Basically, anything, anything specific to to Gloria Bell or to anything specific to that situation, he just was not going to address despite, you know, me asking some very kind of pointed questions about it and, and giving him the opportunity to speak. It just feels like, Eric, a simple, hey, I was really young. I was really stupid. 
I made some very bad choices, which I regret, and I try to live my life the right way as I've grown older and make better decisions. It seems like just that would have pretty much put an end to everything, at least an end to the questions. It might not have put an end to his reputation, but it would have gotten, it would have satisfied people like you and me and gotten questioners off his back. Exactly. You know, like the whole thing, I've had, I've had some people, you know, say to me, like, why are you pushing this? You know, Carl Malone doesn't owe you anything. And it's not about Carl Malone owing me anything. It's the fact that, as we alluded to, this has become an issue yet again, right? People have resurrected this. This is part of his legacy now. You cannot talk about Carl Malone, third leading scorer in NBA history, franchise icon of the Utah Jazz. You cannot talk about Carl Malone without talking about that particular component of his past. Of course, there are going to be some people who never forgive him for what he did, and I'm not saying they should, but there would be a, a sizable contingent of people who would find acceptance in him saying, I did a horrible thing when I was a relatively young person, and that doesn't excuse it. But in the years since, I have tried to be a better person. I have established relationships with those kids. I eventually, even though I was forced to do it initially, I eventually did the right thing and took care of them financially. Just a simple acknowledgement of recognizing the humanity involved. I did a horrible thing. I feel shame and guilt over how it transpired. And there's not a day that I don't, that I'm not filled with regret over what happened, but I can't change that. All I can do is resolve to live out the rest of my days as a better person, but he doesn't want to acknowledge the wrongness of it. Like he's, he's all about, it really bothered me that he, he was spending so much time talking about reflection and, and, and going back to the key moments of his life. And, and he wanted it to be entirely about good things. You know, the relationship he had with Jerry Sloan and, and jazz owner Larry H. Miller and his teammates. And again, that's half the story. Let me ask you about the NBA's part in all of this. I guess we're never going to hear from Adam Silver about the thinking. Maybe we will someday. Maybe somebody will ask him. There had to be a meeting at NBA headquarters, Eric. All the options for Malone's presence for the All-Star weekend were laid out. Have you given any thought to that? Why did the NBA parade him out there on Saturday night? I've heard everything from it might have been worse coverage for the NBA had they not included him and given him the cold shoulder to let's do it on Saturday night at the All-Star uh, dunk contest because it will be a Sunday morning news cycle story. It'll be quiet. Have you thought about it? You guys in Salt Lake City thought about Silver? I mean, of all the people that you would have thought would not do this, Adam Silver strikes me as that guy. What were they thinking, the NBA? That's a great question. We personally couldn't believe it. Clearly, we weren't alone because you can you could see the social media reaction to the announcement of, of the NBA putting it out there, right? Like there were a lot of similarly minded people saying, what is going through their heads? The only thing I can maybe guess at is it's the 30th anniversary of, of the only other time the All-Star game was held in Salt Lake City. It's not like the Jazz have an abundance of franchise legends who can represent the organization during this kind of monumental event of, of the game being back here. And so Carl, being one of the two kind of longtime pillars of the organization, along with John Stockton, they right. decided 
hey, you know, maybe that thing is, is far enough in the past and resolved because, you know, he eventually did acknowledge the kids and, and did eventually provide financial help for them. Maybe it's as simple as the NBA saying, hey, in our minds, you know, it, 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 done deal. Nothing right. to see here. Right. And so let's let's bring a franchise icon in as a, as a celebration of the weekend. Salt Lake City people mad at Barkley and Shaq for ragging on the city? <laughs> yes. They are? <laughs> yes. They are they are very upset. So Utahns are like very, very cognizant of, of our reputation around the country. You know, Salt Lake and, and Utah have a reputation. And it's well-deserved in, in a lot of ways. Like, look, I'm a lifelong Utahn. I don't necessarily fit into every aspect of the culture here. We'll, we'll phrase it that way. Okay. But I'm not looking to leave, right? Like, this is my home. This yeah. is where my family is. Yeah. There are weird things here, right? <laughs> I, I can acknowledge that. And so people here are, are very sensitive to how we sure are perceived are. by the outside world. And so, yeah, those guys calling it a boring bleep city where everyone is going to heaven because there simply is not enough vice for them to get into trouble. Right. Yeah. People were definitely um, a little miffed by that. (laughs) You know, having it come on on the national broadcast of the game as it did, like that just made it all the worse because it's like it's one thing if like they say it at like one event that they go to and whoever happens to be covering it reports it. It's another thing when you're on TNT saying it to a watching national live audience. Yeah, this place is this place is boring. There's nothing to do here. I spent the whole time getting room service in my hotel room, you know. Last question off the beaten path. Quinn Snyder grew up about five miles from where I sit. He's rumored to be Mercer the next, Island. Yeah. Rumored to be the yeah. next coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Do we know the whole story of what happened in Utah and why it ended? Yeah. Uh, Me and my coverage partner, Andy Larson, we maybe don't know 100 percent of the story, but I'd say we know probably like 98 percent. Give us 60 Um, seconds on why it ended in Utah. Okay, The front office, Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge decided basically the group they had had reached its limit with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. They were at a talent deficit overall. We'd reached a point where the locker room had had not fractured, but where they weren't like cohesive as they used to be. And so they decided this group just doesn't have it to get to that level. Let's let's tear it down. Let's sell off the pieces, get a bunch of assets, retool, rebuild. And Quinn, at, at the point that he was at in his career, just didn't want to do that. He'd gone through a rebuild with his organization before. He was burned out a little bit. And I think the idea of going through another rebuild and, and needing another three, four or five years to get like really competitive again just wasn't appealing to him. Eric, you're a gentleman. Thank you very, very much. Great to have you on. Good work back there. And we all know Salt Lake City is a party town. We all know it. Just uh, Shaq and Charles Barkley don't know it yet. They just haven't found the great spots. I was going to say, Mitch, if if, you, if you're ever in Salt Lake City, hit me up and I'll, I've got a spot or two you might enjoy. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for being on. My pleasure being on episode 228. Here's to many more. Hey, look who's back on Mitch Unfiltered. It's Katie Versio, the director of financial planning at Evergreen Golf Call. Happy New Year, Katie. I know what 2022 was like for all of us investors out there. Not good. 
How about for you guys at Evergreen Golf Call? Yes. Well, thanks for having me, Mitch, back on the podcast. As we've talked about many times, 2022 is a very challenging year for the markets where for the last 10 years or so, we haven't had a lot of volatility. And at the end of the year, the market ended down about 18% and bonds ended down about 13%. So it's been a tough environment for investors. Basically, every asset class was down, but it was a really good year for Evergreen, I would say. There was still a lot of volatility in our portfolios, but we find a lot of opportunity during these turbulent times. We manage our portfolios very actively, and this was a real shakeup of a year where we were able to find a lot of clients that may have been managing portfolios on their own, and now we're realizing, hey, this is more complicated than I thought, and I really want to make sure that I'm holding up well for, for my own goals here. For those listeners out there that don't have a plan, an investment, or a financial plan, or haven't reviewed it in a long time or just have questions of if you're on track, now is a great time to learn more about our services. So what would be the best way to contact you for our listeners? Do it through the website? Yes. So if you go to our website, www.evergreengk.com, you can learn more about our services on the website. And there's also a client compatibility survey that you can take that will then have one of our advisors contact you. Very good to know. And for all of us who need help, and most of us do, with our investment needs. Katie Versio and Evergreen Golf Call are there for you. Evergreengk.com, a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered. And once again, it's great to be joined by John Waterstrap, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, always a great sponsor, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys competition. John, how are you? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Another football season is in the books, and we know football season is synonymous with fireplaces and fireside home solutions, but still some cold and damp months ahead, John. Yep, there is definitely some cold, damp months ahead, and there's no better time to buy than these couple months. Uh, February seems to always have a little bit of rain, and we're getting those cold weathers. Our, our lead times are down. We want you to get those products into your home and keep you nice and cozy and warm. And also, we have some great discounts coming. Soup to nuts. What's the time frame now? So right about two weeks. Installers are getting a little bit of our lead times down. So two weeks, we can get that product right into your house and no better time than now. Allow me, John, to ask you the question I asked our other partners. How was 2022 for Fireside? The good... <laughs> and the challenges, what would you say? Oh, well, if I look back on that, you know, stock definitely being one of those big issues that we had. But again, we, we were blessed with just great customers and being able to get those fireplaces in and be able to stock products that we needed to and people being patient with us and uh, really thankful to have a great year this year. So if you could snap your fingers and accomplish a few specific goals in 2023 besides your Seahawks winning the Super Bowl. What would they be for Fireside Home Solutions, John? Five-star service to all our customers, but most importantly is keep our lead times down. You know, we want to be able to help as many customers as we can out there, and lead times are important, you know, to get through customers, just like if you're at any kind of restaurant or anything, you want to be able to get to those customers as soon as possible. And like I said, I think stock will be better this coming year. We want to keep our lead times down so we can accomplish a lot next year. I can genuinely say, that Mitch Unfiltered would not be where we are four and a half years later without our terrific sponsor, John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, literally the title sponsor of every audience contest that we do on the podcast. So begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. Episode 228, Other Stuff segment. 
We've got a lot of other stuff, including the Bobby Wagner conversation. Yes. Some guy named Jared Koenig may or may not have hit two home runs oh, while we were recording. God. While we were recording Stop. episode 228. Don't get me excited for that guy. Uh, he he but, may or may not have hit two home runs oh. in his first two at-bats, and he may or may not have lined out sharply to center field in his third at-bat, swinging a hot bat, Jared Koenig. Oh, God. <laughs> By the way, who's never looked better. I mean, he's the best shape of his life. <laughs> With a new attitude, That's right. a new swing, a new approach. Oh, to the a game. new approach! Oh, imagine playing his whole life with that shit approach that we got right. him to be a number one pick. All right. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Wagner was released by the Rams. By the Rams. Yeah. I think to understand the Bobby Wagner story, we've got to make a couple of things clear. When you hear somebody's released, it could be because of a couple of different reasons. It wasn't because he was not productive at age thirty-two. Okay. 140 tackles, six sacks, a career high, two interceptions. He was pro football focus's number one linebacker rated in the entire NFL, and he was a second-team all-pro linebacker for the Rams last year. He was not cut because he's an old man who has nothing left. He was cut merely because of their cap situation. They're way over the cap. They're in a kind of a rebuilding mode, and – Bobby Wagner and his contract didn't make sense to them anymore. So now Wagner becomes a free agent. Immediately upon hearing he's a free agent, the scuttlebutt started. Should we bring him back to Seattle for a year or two to play linebacker? You remember now, things didn't end so great between Wagner and John Schneider. You got to refresh me. I mean, I know there there was no double bird, but refresh me. So Wagner was his own agent. Okay. Which is always a tough thing. I mean, it worked out well for Russell Okun. <laughs> Hell of a deal he got. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. He was his own agent. Yeah. He didn't have a he didn't have an agent doing his deal. He was upset with the way that he found out that the Seahawks were going in a different direction. He found out from somebody else in the league or uh, other people, yeah. or he read it on Twitter. He didn't get it straight from John Schneider. Then John Schneider came out at the draft or at the combine and said, I was wrong. This is on me. Yeah. I blew it. I should have called Bobby Wagner and told him myself. I take full responsibility. So then Wagner, when he played against the Seahawks twice last year, said, I get it. I get it. I'm not mad anymore, but I'm just going to kick their ass on the playing field. Something like that. Yeah. Right? I can live with that. And by the way, he did. Especially in the first game, he kicked their ass on the playing field. Now, at age 32, and I'm sure that if you ask Bobby Wagner, he feels like, no, 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 no. I'm not signing any any like ceremonial contract with some team. I'm a second team all pro at 32. I still want my money. Yeah. I want a contract. I want to. So I don't know that it's even feasible that the Seahawks would sign him. But do you want him back under the right conditions? Let me go sit in a dark room for three days. And then when I come out, I'll have my answer. <laughs> He's okay? on the list. I, I, He's on I the need list. some time. He's on the list. I mean, I'm just, again, if money works out where it's not a huge hit. One right? year deal. Okay. I don't think he's going to sign a one-year that, that's, deal. That's the thing. But let's say he decides to do a one-year deal with the Seahawks. Of course I would want him back, considering what I watched on defense the previous year. I think I've seen my fill of Cody Barton. Oh. Might be a nice fella. I think he might be a good backup linebacker in the NFL. I think I, or a good special teams guy. I think I've had my fill of him. So, yes, if I can have him back at a reasonable rate, I will take Bobby Wagner back easily. Okay. You? Me too. You would? I echo every single word that you said. Okay. 
Yeah. I don't know that I would sign him to a multi-year contract that has salary cap ramifications. You might want to draft a guy and, you know, groom that guy to be ready. I, I don't know that I want to commit to Bobby Wagner for multiple years. Yeah, yeah. But yes, if Bobby Wagner is willing to do a one-year contract yeah. or what amounts to be a one-year contract with the Seattle Seahawks, which I don't think he will be, because I think somebody out there will give him something more than that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would have him back. How long Absolutely. did Ray Lewis play? I mean, he felt like he played into his like mid thirties. Yeah. Do you know what, when when he retired? I don't know the I don't know the date. I don't know the age of when he retired. Yeah, no. he played sixteen seasons or seventeen seasons. You sort of do the math. He was thirty eight, probably thirty nine when he retired. So yeah, but I'm just wondering, does he have? Can he continue to play at thirty three and thirty four? Well, there was a thought here that he was on the downslide. That's one of the reasons they went in a different direction. It's <laughs> so weird how that works, right, in sports. Like, like you get rid of Randy Johnson because back problems, you know, and then he went four Cy Youngs later or something. Like, it's just weird how that works in sports. Okay, so we all want Bobby Wagner back under the right circumstances. Correct, yes. The right circumstances being something of a one-year contract. Right. A one-year commitment. Correct. Okay. I mean, if you look at the Seahawks defense, who, I mean, Jamal Adams is, you can't really count him, but who's the leader on that D? Who's, who's the guy that gets in people's face at practices, gets probably, your shit together during games, you're doing the wrong thing? I mean, who would it be right now? Probably Diggs. Yeah, probably Diggs, yeah. Still kind of a younger guy. I don't know, maybe seven, eight years in the league. Six. I don't know. But, I mean, it'd be nice to have, like, just have a captain out there to run shit, another coach, someone not afraid to tell you what's what, to kind of fire you up a little bit. I don't feel like they have that guy on the Seahawks. No. I mean, maybe it's Diggs. Yeah, maybe Jamal Adams when he plays. Right. But for that that respect, too, I'd love to have him back. Okay. He's good on the field that All way. All right. Jared Kelnick. <laughs> yes. I can't wait for the Mariners. <laughs> I really don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to see. Well, you're looking at his stats from freaking spring training. Well, I love looking at spring training stats. You do? I do. Well, that's the third time that's been uttered in this country. Go ahead. Why? I, just because I do. Okay. Because I like getting artificially excited or artificially <laughs> down about something that means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And my eyes seem to want to go right to Jared Koenig's line in the box score. Yeah. As soon as I call it up, there's been headlines. He's ready for a breakout season. He's got a new attitude. Yeah. He's got a new approach at the plate. And I had to read on Sunday as we're recording this. Yeah. Two home runs in his first two at bats. Well, it doesn't say that they were I actually. Can't do it. They were scrimmaging the 12U team from Corona, <laughs> so you might see better pitching when the season starts. Don't get too excited yet. All right, they're all in Arizona still. Oh God, uh, I know. Well, I mean, what if you can get 250 out of oh, him? Oh my God, where do I sign? 30 home runs. Oh, where do I sign? Forget it, right? I mean, oh, how great God. would that be? That's what they thought he was going to be. I'll go right to the gas station and play the lottery, the Powerball, <laughs> right afterward. Come on, 250? Are you, did you say 250? I said 250, which used to be kind of a crappy average back in the day. But Guy can't hit 160. I, I, I understand, but what if he has a breakout year where he looks like an all-star? I mean, that'd be amazing for this team. Like They're not expecting that from him, are they? Who's expecting that? Nobody. Nobody, right. He could pop. Oh. I've been hearing about these guys. Don't the, say it. He's got the perfect can't build get excited. and his I can't swing, and he's like the perfect no, I baseball I can't player. do it. Okay, fine. I can't do it. All I right. can't do it. While almost 119 million viewers tuned into Rihanna's Super Bowl oh. 57 halftime show. Yeah, I got this. Not everyone enjoyed it, Hot Shot Scott. Turns out. TMZ, of course, obtained... 103 complaints <laughs> yeah. made to the Federal Communications Commission, otherwise known as the FCC, 
about the Super Bowl broadcast and reported that nearly all of them were about Rihanna's performance. The complaints compared Rihanna's set to pornography with, quote, overtly sexual dancing and movements that were, quote, patently offensive and completely inappropriate for children. A viewer in Utah, they had to throw I know, of Utah. course, right, yeah. A viewer in Utah reportedly wrote that, quote, this year the halftime show was so indecent, I had to turn off the TV because of the pornographic content. While someone in Florida wrote, she spread her ass cheek at the crack, she rubbed her pants where her labia were three times, end quote. Some of the reaction... <laughs> To Rihanna's halftime show of the Super Bowl. I think I'll live the rest of my life never sending an email with the word labia in it. I think I just don't see that ever happening under any circumstance, much less to a network. You might have to define labia for me before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, I, I was I went back and watched. She's not showing skin above her collarbone. I mean, below her collarbone. Like, it was up to her neck. She was head to toe in clothing. Yes. And she was pregnant and could barely dance out there. This is the one that did get your ire up? But I did see your rubber crotch a few times and then put her hand up by her She's face. showing where the baby's coming from. It was very clinical. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. Clinical. <laughs> <laughs> it was clinical. I mean, of all the, the, the risque dancing, I mean, didn't no. Jennifer Lopez come out and do one with uh, the other, whatever her name is? I, I feel like we've seen a lot. Shakira. Shakira. I think didn't oh, they go out together? Shakira. Shakira's heartbroken, by the way. The hips are going. And I hate to. I hate. I she hate is. to. Yeah. What do you mean heartbroken? Go out on a tangent here. She's heartbroken. Broke up. Well, she broke up, and she saw her ex-husband with somebody else oh, now, and yeah. it's really hurt. And when she hurts, I hurt. Yeah, that's been said many times. Yes. Somebody else wrote uh, wrote to the network. I don't care what someone worships. I don't know what that means, but children shouldn't be exposed to pornography. And as an adult, I don't wish to see it. Where is decency gone? How about respect for others and self? This is the halftime show that freaked people out. Just wow. the fact that they're comparing this to pornography. For, exactly. Have these people seen pornography? Clearly not. I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my God. Or th they're the ones obsessed with pornography. Did you like? Have we talked about this? Did you like the halftime show? I, I told you. I think at, for somebody my age, I probably like her music most than more than most people my age because yeah. we played it on Cube for you know five years when I was. Yeah. It was pretty boring to me. It was just people in white hazmat suits dancing behind. You needed her a little more sexed up, didn't you? You needed a little more sexual. You needed mm. a little closer to pornography than it was. I needed something else. A little I don't spicy. Know. You needed, I needed something spicy. I needed a set. You know, maybe it's a cooler set. I needed yeah. a special guest to come out and blow me away. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't see that coming. Britney Spears uh, oh. or something, you know. I don't know. Eminem or somebody comes out and they do a song together. It was just kind of like. She calls everybody boo. Did you know that? Rihanna does? Yeah. Uh, Rihanna. It's Rihanna. Rihanna. I don't know. Rihanna. Rihanna. She calls everybody boo-boo. Okay. Boo. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. 103 complaints. <laughs> Couldn't have been less offensive to right? me. I'm sorry. 103 <laughs> complaints made to the Federal Commission, Communications Commission. There you go. Uh, an unruly spectator stormed the pitch, the soccer field for people like you. Okay. Yes. Punched a player in the face during a Europa League match on Thursday. What? A fan storms a goalie. This all went down in the Netherlands. Storms a goalie, was going to punch him. Before he can get to him, the goalie just a jab right to the face. Knocks oh, the right guy to the kisser. But he had that goalie glove on. Yeah. Luckily for the spectator, but knocked the guy right on his ass. 
right on his ass. And then, of course, people Just, come in. And this video of it, if you'd like to see a goalie punch a fan in the face. Yes, I would. Everything I in life is, is videotaped or I recorded. Would. So, yeah. Yeah. Be careful charging pro athletes, I guess, right? I mean, maybe that's the uh, Bobby Wagner. Lesson. We just talked about Bobby Wagner. Didn't he come off the sideline and, and just crush a guy? Got sued. He did? Got sued for it. And the judge said, hit the bricks, effer. No, you go on the field. You Bobby get... Wagner got sued yeah. by that guy that ran he on the field? He tried to sue him. He tried to oh sue him. God. And the judge just said, beat it. No. Stoop. 15 yards? Yeah, I mean... You targeting start, you start rushing a football players you get what's coming to you these i mean especially this day and age when Chappelle's getting shanked and all that are you following the brandon miller story at alabama yes i i was going to ask you if you're going to talk yeah. about that or have someone on it's pretty complicated i guess but yeah and pretty i don't know sad. how complicated it is it's sad yeah. it's a little bit awkward i don't like the the introduction the little thing that he did on saturday in the introduction that was very i don't know that part well, that's the part that I'm, I'm actually bringing up. So Brandon Miller, for those of you who don't know, is the star freshman lottery pick to be superstar at Alabama. When they go to March Madness and you see Alabama making a run through March Madness, maybe to the Final Four, yeah. this guy's going to be the centerpiece. He's terrific. He had apparently. 38 the other night. He's really good. and He's a freshman. He's going to be a one-and-done lottery pick in the NBA. Okay. Well, on January 15th, there was a murder. His former teammate shot a girl, shot her to death. Apparently, he supplied the shooter with the gun. Right. The teammate texted him, bring me the gun. And he got up and got into his car with the gun <sighs> after midnight, brought it to the guy at a bar, and that was the gun that was allegedly used to murder. And now, this is a capital murder. We're talking about life or whatever. Yeah. The law is complicated on whether he is culpable in any way. Yeah. The authorities have decided he's not. Okay. Even though he brought the guy the gun. It can't be proven right. that he brought the guy the gun knowing what was going to happen with the gun. Right. But this has been a very sensitive thing in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And the and there's a lot of people that think, all right, should he be playing? Should he be suspended? I mean, right. it's not a very comfortable situation. And the coach has done the opposite. Played him, defended him. Yeah. Almost been a little bit insensitive. Hmm towards the murder of the woman back on January the 15th. Yeah. Well, this past weekend, during the introductions of a game that Alabama was playing, when Brandon Miller was introduced, he came out and he put his arms out and a teammate patted him down as a little... Oh, wow. Yeah. As a little creative thing he was doing. Yeah. That, that, Come on. That's not necessary. <laughs> no, you I mean, did, did the, has the coach commented on that yes. yet? Okay. The coach said completely unnecessary. Yeah. It will never happen again. Okay. Making light of that when somebody's dead? Yeah, that's probably not a good look. And everyone's just going to just overlooking the fact that a 19-year-old college kid just happened to have a gun on him that he can loan out to people? Like, does everyone have a gun on campus these days? Like, I mean... Is he allowed to have it? Somebody Does he have died. a permit? And I mean, it's like a twenty-three-year-old yeah. woman died that right, night, right, as a result of that gun, as somewhat a result of him bringing his friend that gun. The shooter was arrested, obviously, right? Shooter, yeah, yeah. a couple of people arrested. Yeah. <sighs> Ugh. All right. Well, I don't know how I'm going to transition into it. it. Ain't easy becoming an overnight billionaire. Did you know that? 
There's a new headache for the winner of the largest lottery jackpot in history. Oh, yeah. One man claims he had the winning ticket, but it was stolen from him. Yes. And now he's the guy from California, right? Jose the Rivera. gas station in California? He bought it from Joe's Service Center in Altadena, California. Right. On November 7th, before the $2.04 billion drawing. Yes, yes. He was the sole winner, but he says a man by the name of Reggie, in quotes, stole the ticket from him the very same day he bought it. So after the numbers were drawn, he tried to get Reggie to return the ticket. It's not clear why Reggie had it, but he he calls Reggie and and says, hey, I think that's the winning ticket. Reggie says, nope, uh, let me check. Not a winner. See you later. (laughs) I told him it wasn't a winner. (laughs) Turns out it was $2.04 billion winner. God. So now he's filing lawsuits. Like he's not going to, who could let this go? I mean, it's a $970 million lump sum. Of course. So fast forward to this month when a man named Edwin Castro was named the winner of the big prize. Somebody has come forward to claim that prize. Yeah, I know. It's Edwin. We've talked about Edwin Castro on the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe in your absence. Yeah. So how does Edwin Castro come forward? Well, maybe, he's not one of the two guys that you just mentioned. Right. But I'm sure Reggie knows he can't come forward. So he's got to <laughs> cut his buddy and say, you say you want it. I'll give you 30 million or something. And, you know, we, we got to get this money. So. Unfortunately for, what was his name again? The main guy, uh, Jose. Jose. The California lottery came out and said, look, we don't do this. We don't investigate crimes and try to figure out who won it and who stole it and all that. Who's got the ticket? Yeah. We give the money to the person who has the ticket. The California lottery not authorized to investigate criminal activity among its players. Such allegations are subject to investigation only by local law enforcement. So while you're talking about lawsuits, tell me how you feel about this one. (laughs) Okay. You yourself have brought this story to Unfiltered. Okay. Lady Gaga, we know. Yeah, this story. Lady Gaga had two of her dogs dog-napped. Correct. Stolen. But the, yeah, yes, because the, the dog walker, who's her dog walker. Yes. Because um, everyone has to have one of those, I guess. Yeah. Um, was actually shot. And the dogs were stolen from him. And I think they thought he was dead, but he ended up living. The dog walker ended up living. So, yeah. The dog walker ends up living. Two of the three dogs are stolen. Yeah. At which time she posts a quote, no questions asked. Find my dogs $500,000 reward. Yep. To anybody who can bring me my dog safe. Yep. Her dogs were returned to her safe by a woman named Jennifer McBride. (laughs) Jennifer McBride was involved, (laughs) was involved, was an accomplice to the stealing in the first place. It's diabolical, yeah. But Jennifer McBride says, hey, she said no questions asked. (laughs) And yes, I was involved in stealing the dogs, but I'm returning the dogs now. I want my $500,000, and she is suing Lady... One of the people involved in stealing the dogs (laughs) is suing Lady Gaga because she says, no questions asked is no questions asked. I'm returning the dogs. I want my $500,000. Fair is fair. A deal's a deal. A deal's a deal. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think she can kick rocks. This, life doesn't work that way, right? You can't light your house on fire and then collect the insurance money. I mean, come on. Okay. People have tried, I'm sure, but no, you don't you don't get to collect it when you're when you're part of the part of the crime of stealing. McBride's the- attorney argued in Friday's filing that by stating, quote, no questions asked with the reward offering and failing to pay, Gaga committed a breach of contract, fraud by false promise, fraud by misrepresentation. McBride, who was one of the five arrested in the crime in April of 2021, (laughs) was dating fellow accomplice Harold White at the time, the father of Jalen White, 
Jalen was involved in the robbery and shooting with James Jackson and Lafayette Whaley. So there were five arrested. She was one of them. She wasn't directly, directly, direct. She wasn't the shooter or anything I like that. I think she claims that she was sort of like, a, like on the outside. Kind of on the outside. Didn't really know what was but going listen, on. listen, I brought the dogs back. No questions asked. Yeah. 500 grand. I want my money. How legally binding is that stupid reward? No questions asked. I don't asked. know how it you, works. You don't have to be on the hook for it, right? I don't know how it works. <laughs> I can I ask you one question or no? If I ask you one question, then then I'm on the hook. I mean, how does that work? It doesn't seem like it's a it's not a contract. No one signed anything. There's no way she better not get a dollar for this. Really? For being part of the st- of stealing a guy was shot, and I and I, they probably wanted to kill him. I mean, he was he was in the hospital for a while. It's pretty surprising he recovered. So yeah, I mean, had nobody been shot, it might be a little funnier. But this this I think what Gaga's got to do is say five hundred thousand dollars. No questions asked unless you were part of the team that shot <laughs> yeah. my dog sitter. Okay? See, where were you when she needed you? You needed to help her word her reward correctly. Yes. Oh, God. A man called the Hollywood Police Department Sunday threatening to blow up the famous Hollywood sign landmark to smithereens no. with pipe bombs. No. That is unless he was paid a whopping $10,000. Holly wants. <laughs> 10 G's for that. I mean, remember the Austin Powers? One million dollars. He thought it was the biggest lump sum ever. But here's the problem. The dude didn't even dial the right department. In attempting to reach L.A., he actually dialed cops in Hollywood, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Dipshit. Unclear if he realized he... That's not shocking if he wants $10,000. That's right, yes. I don't know if he knew he dialed the wrong number. In any case, the Florida HPD hit up their L.A. counterparts to let them know what was going on, and nutty as the whole thing Uh. seemed, and LAPD checked it out, and yeah, uh, no arrest, but the case is under investigation. My last one is, are you following the Atlanta Hawks head coaching search? No. The Atlanta Hawks fired Mr. Sonic. Oh, yeah, Nate got fired. Nate McMillan, and now it looks like they're going to replace him with... Mercer Island product, Quinn Snyder. The guy just keeps getting gig after gig, doesn't he? <laughs> so he's like the, like Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian. Just... And is it my imagination or is every sports story have some vague Seattle tie yeah, or connection? It, it's not your imagination. It, it was, it's crazy. They stick their nose into I spoke everything. With, I spoke with Danny O'Neill about this on one of the patron shows. Yeah. It feels like if there's an unusual amount of stories that have Seattle connections to it yep. in the world of sports. Yep. Way more than we should. Yep. Here's Mr. Sonic <laughs> getting fired and they're hiring a Mercer <laughs> Island guy in Atlanta, Georgia to be the coach of the Hawks. Yeah. Bizarre. Right. Of all go. things. Yeah. Where's Quinn Snyder been? I mean, remember he was the hottest coach in the world for a while and then well, that went quit. away. He quit. He walked away from Utah. That's right, from Utah. A year or so ago because Utah had uh, decided that they were going to blow the whole thing up. They they traded their star Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, so it was over. And they traded Rudy Gobert, and they were going to start to redo it. And Quinn was like, I, I don't want to be part of a redo. I, I've done that. I've been there, done that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to step aside. Let somebody else do it. I'm going to take a year off and coach somewhere else again. And it appears he's going to be Trey Young's coach in Atlanta for the Hawks. Well, good for Even him. by the time... This podcast is released on Monday morning. It may be official even by then. Wow. That's how imminent it is. Good for the Mercer Island kid. I feel badly for Nate McMillan. Really? Well, God, he's had a lot of jobs. And he seems to coach these teams into the playoffs and do pretty well. Yeah. Originally, like, 
right out of the gate. He seemed to do well. Didn't he get the Portland? Portland I thought he was doing I thought great, he did yeah. well in Indiana right out of the gate. Then he did well in Atlanta. Yeah. And then something always happens where he's not good enough and they want to replace him with somebody else. Maybe it's lining up for him to be the first head coach of the new Seattle Supersonics. Ooh. He'll be available, looks like, if they Ooh. come back anytime soon. That would be pretty awesome, right? The way everything kind of goes in life. And then here he is. Maybe. Maybe. They'll never come back. But if they do. No, they're coming back. Oh, they are. Okay. I don't know. That what year is be... this again? It's been 15 years now? Okay. I'd say in the next five. <laughs> okay, good. We'll both be alive. I'm... Hey, I any... have no RIPs, by the way. I have one. I got... Nobody probably knows this guy, but it just. No it, RIPs. This is one that just was so sad. I want to just say rest in peace to oh. Ryan Keeler. He was a UNLV redshirt freshman defensive lineman. Oh. He was 20 years old. Highly touted 6'5 high school recruit out of Illinois. He started his his college career at Rutgers, but then went to UNLV following his freshman season. And his first year with the Rebels, he had uh, he played in two games. He got a sack and eight tackles. So he looked like he's his stock was on the rise. And no foul play is suspected. 20 years old. The coroner said the case is still pending. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. Uh, let's see. Do you uh, know Richard Belzer? Well, yeah, we talked about. Oh, you were yeah, here. It wasn't, yeah. Okay, so you already got Richard Belzer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Famous for his work on Law and Order, but he was a, a guest on Stern a lot and Letterman. Yeah, and... we talked about him last week. In fact, I brought it up to, to Slickhawk in your absence. Okay. That he once was given the sleeper hold by Hulk Hogan. Oh, do I know that story? You sued him. He sued him. Sued his ass. I sued him. Sued the Hulkster. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched the video of it. He went down like a ton of bricks. He sure did. <laughs> I mean, I think all men fit somewhere on the physical scale between Hulk Hogan and Richard Belzer, right? I mean, we all fit somewhere in the middle of those two, like the yeah. smallest, thinnest man ever, yeah. and then Hulk Hogan. He was a stand-up comic. Did you like him? You're into... I don't know a lot of his stand-up, but okay. I, I know that he was revered, and people think he's hilarious. I've just never really watched it. Yeah. Like, I've heard him on Howard, and I thought he was... You know, he, he's clearly a funny person. Yes. Odd, always wore the glasses, and yeah, I think he yeah. always carried a dog. And yeah. he was a pretty good actor, though. He was on 300 episodes of Law and Order SVU, yeah. and yeah. yeah, he was on SNL during the inception period. I forgot about that. So, 78 years old, rest in peace. I got this isn't an RIP, but I, this got stuck in the middle. I wanted to see if you remember. You remember Greg Hardy, the football player? Of course. For the Panthers? Yeah, of course. And he's, the, he's a boxer now. Well, he was duking it out with Josh Watson in the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, <laughs> Knuckle Mania 3. <laughs> I just love that name. And by the way, uh, by the second round. knocked out. I saw it. He was eating canvas by the second oh, round. And Greg Hardy ain't no little guy. I mean, no, he's a no. big dude. And he's a bad guy. Remember oh, he yeah. He had some issues, oh, didn't he? That's some right. issues. <laughs> More than one. Go huh? back and read what he did. That's right, yeah. Oh, Because they're like somebody getting thrown on a couch yes, and guns. Yes. And that was him. That's yes, he right. He shouldn't have been playing in the NFL. The fact that he <sighs> they let him back in was a shocker. He got hit so hard by this guy in the face. He went flying into the ropes, nearly crumbling to the, the ground. I saw the video. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Okay, so for those that want to watch it, yes, yeah. you can go watch watch him get knocked on his ass. All right, headlines. Yes. The feds find the Mormon church for illicitly hiding $32 billion investment fund behind shell companies. The Mormon church embezzling 30, well, embezzling, but they were hiding $32 billion in an investment fund. $32 billion and those 19-year-old missionaries are still forced to walk everywhere in my neighborhood. By the way, it sounds like someone was cooking the Book of Mormon. An Arizona dog... Yeah, two for the price of one That's right, there. that's right. Free, free jokes, everyone. An Arizona dog whose tongue is 3.74 inches longer than his snout was awarded the Guinness World Record for longest tongue on a living dog. The next world record he's shooting for? The world's cleanest butthole. A German newspaper <laughs> critic had animal feces smeared on her face. I got that. 
by a ballet director who apparently took offense at a review she wrote. What? Yes. A critic wrote a bad review of a ballet that he choreographed, and he smeared dog poo on her so face. So maybe it's not easier to be a fan of the ballet. And that's the punchline right there. I'd much rather watch the ballet over the Seahawks if this shit's going on. That was awesome. And finally, there. two sisters were arrested for threatening to kill their neighbors because they were too noisy during lovemaking. The couple left a note on the door threatening to kill them and their kids. Imagine a married couple with kids still enjoying sex with each other. <laughs> One. <laughs> oh, good for them. <laughs> That's the sound of death, everybody, right there. The bell is ringing. Yes. Good to have you back. Hey, it's good to you be back. You stay around for a while? Uh, the state tournament's in two weeks. But <laughs> I don't think I can go, and I don't think they're going to win it, so I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, that, my friends, is not episode 227, like the old TV show. No. That's episode 228. <laughs> it's the best we got. We'll do better the next time. <laughs> and it's in the books.